Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, party people, and welcome to episode 100 of Countdown to Classic. This is a podcast that has educated, informed, and gossiped to you 100 times over the past 14 months about World of Warcraft Classic. Each week, we discuss the news, hot-button issues, and content of the highly anticipated Classic servers. I'm your host, Josh Corbett, and this is a show where, as many of you know by now, say it with me, it's not my opinion on World of Warcraft that counts, but yours. But after a hundred episodes, my opinion has maybe leveled up to at least level 10. So I've got my first talent point and shall be spending it on the entertainment spec. If you're new to the show, Countdown to Classic is all about you the listener, as we hear your expert input on everything relating to the upcoming release of World of Warcraft Classic. I honestly am shocked and humbled to be sitting here reading out that intro for the 100th time. What a ride it's been with all of you, and what a journey it's been watching the show and community grow at such an exponential rate since episode number one. Now, we've got a lot of great stuff in store for you today. We'll be starting off with an absolute orgy of a call that I took with 10 of us on the line to celebrate the classic and countdown communities for this 100th episode, which discusses the journey that many of us have been on from Nastarius to classic. After that, I've got a bit of fun lined up as I wind up choosing the region that I'll be playing Classic on via a fun dating game with some Oceanic and North American suitors that gets a little hot and heavy. As many of you know, I have been wrestling with that decision a lot lately, so this episode will settle that issue once and for all. Next, we'll hear from Kevin Jordan all about the design of Paladins, and finally, we'll talk to a guild that puts the hard in hardcore as I sit down with members of the guild Onslaught about their plans for Classic. But just before we get to that, given that we have hit the milestone of episode 100, I just want to reiterate the things that were said in the show's first birthday show recently. This show would not exist without you. Yes, you, listening to this podcast right now. Countdown is very much so a show made by the community for the community. And without what 
Discord is now about 10,000 dedicated listeners, bringing in what is tracking for about 70,000 unique downloads this month, almost 2,000 Discord members, dozens upon dozens of callers, and financial supporters who dig into their pockets every month to keep the show going without all of you the show simply would not be here. And so, once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you and congratulations to all of you. We made it to 100 episodes, and I hope that there are many more to come. So as you've heard many times before, you all know the drill by now, this is a community-based podcast. So if you like what you're hearing, please join the Discord now. It is absolutely blowing up. Everyone's coming over and wishing that they'd got in there earlier. Please come and have a chat with us and have some fun with us there. Keep the conversations going. Follow me on Twitter. I'd love to see more of you follow me on Twitter and say hi to you all counts to classic with the number two that's where you can find me or email me at feedback at countdown to if you'd like to call into the show make a suggestion or just say hi everything you'll need is in the show notes for each episode along with the show's patreon link everyone please do look into the patreon page and see if there's any way that you'd possibly be interested in supporting the show over there every little bit does count and i really really appreciate it but if subscriptions aren't your thing then you can help keep the lights on at countdown by checking out the show's tip jar over at ko-fi it's like buying me a beer so that's that option for other people there's also the show's merch store with some great designs over there so please check that out we've got some new stuff up there it's really really cool guys i guarantee you you'll probably want something over there at the merch store so check it out for t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs all that be sure to check that out and finally just a reminder the countdown to classic guild is recruiting and going through the rostering phase soon no matter what region you're playing on head on over to the countdown to classic discord to get more information on our plans for classic and we need more hordies so come on lotaro gar people we need you but with all that said let's start the show with calling countdown All right, it's time for an incredibly special countdown to Classic Call. The episode, as you've probably heard from the intro, turns 100 today. 100 episodes of the show. I honestly can say that I didn't think we'd make it here. When I started the show, I did it as a little bit of a laugh, and it's just become something else entirely. I'm very happy with being here with you all where we are now. And in celebration of that, I've organized for a as we colloquially refer to it in Australia, a shitload of callers are in on this call to sort of celebrate where we've come as a community and also to reflect on where the community has come from the last 18 months since Classic was obviously announced at BlizzCon in 2017. So let me go through this absolute murderer's row of callers. We've got like 10 of us here. It's going to be crazy. I'm really looking forward to this call. Now, I'll just go through you all alphabetically. Ale, how are you, mate? I'm doing fantastic. Super glad to be here. Great to have you. Bat Lord, how are you, mate? I'm doing great, Josh. It's so great to be part of this call. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, Josh. Glad to be here. 
Gutter, first time caller. So happy to have you here for this one. Yeah, man. Really glad to be here. Thanks again for having me. Jacoby, how are you, mate? Good to see you again. Fantastic. Just finished a long day of work, but this is a great way to end the shift. Happy to be here. It definitely should be. Locked, mate, your second call of the day, your third of the last two weeks. You're a fucking trooper. Thanks for being here. No problems. I'm on a bit of a roll. Let the chaos begin. <laughs> and Solveig, someone I've been dying to meet, and it's so great to finally talk to you. Obviously, you run the Great Oceanic Discord. It's great to have you here, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, pretty good to be here, and good to meet you. Absolutely. And Thaloris, another regular, our resident paladin expert. So great to have you here. Thanks, man. My uh, my nether bits are tingling. <laughs> as are mine. And we're going to be joined very soon. Actually, he's just jumped in right now as we speak. Tim, Tian SG, how are you, mate? It's so good to have you here. Good, man. Good to be here. Woohoo, 100th. I know, I can't believe it. Look, guys, let's get into it. And look, this is going to be an absolute, you know, uh, special call. It's going to be absolute mayhem. Everyone's going to jump in when they can, but we'll try and sort of keep it as orderly as we can as well at the same time. But we'll get all of you heard from. Now, what I wanted to do is to sort of reflect, as I said, on where we've come from as a community, as a classic community in relation to the announcement of this game. Now, a funny thing happened the other day where I saw that the announcement that it had been three years since Nostarius was shut down. I didn't play Nostarius and I it sort of shocked me. I was like, wow, that sort of is and is not a long time ago. Like, I can't believe three years have passed since then. I didn't play Nostarius, but I remember hearing about it shutting down. And now here we are only a few months away from the release of World of Warcraft Classic being the official servers. So, a lot has happened over the last three years, and Ale, I might get you to sort of get the ball rolling, and then the the rest of this uh, mob will pick up from what you say. But tell us about how you feel about the last three years, and from that shutdown moment of Nostarius to where we are now. Well, it's absolutely incredible for me. That was the impetus, really, to start getting involved in this whole community, and. I had no idea about the classic scene until I heard about, uh, you know, the waves that the Nostarius shutdown had created, and that actually caused me to become involved in the community. Mm. It's. Did anyone here actually play Nostarius? Uh, I did. Yeah, I had. I leveled two characters to sixty uh-huh. on Nostarius. Right. It was a lot of time investment. I was absolutely fucking gutted when they were shutting down Nostarius. I was one of those people that was. That was in Orgrimmar, and I was like, no, this tower is why. Well, Mike, we'll start with you, and I think one or two others uh, mentioned that they played it as well, so we'll get them to answer once you're done. But, Mike, talk to us just very briefly about the time that you had on Nostarius and why you were so upset. I, I think it was just the um, how, like, how tight-knit, but also how big the like the classic community really turned out to be how many people like before i played the stars i had no clue like this many people actually like enjoyed vanilla wow like i hadn't it had been so long i had never really i didn't never even knew private servers were a thing Hmm. Honestly, before 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 Nostarius, I heard about Nostarius. I'm like, I played Vanilla Well back then, but I was like, I was nine fucking years old. But yeah. I'm like, I want to try to play this game again. And I had God, I had spent so much time just investing in just level. I leveled a warrior and a rogue to sixty, hmm. and just 
when the Star Wars announced that they were shutting down their servers because of a a uh, cease and desist. A, a, yeah, the cease and desist from from Blizzard. I was fucking. I was gutted. Mm. It was. I was ready to ride in the streets, uh, to be honest. <laughs> a couple more of you piped up and said that you played Nastari, so I'm not sure who it was, but I'll throw it to the, the first one of you, whoever that was, and just let us know how you felt and the time investment that you put into. I mean, I know a lot of people might get rubbed the wrong way about, oh, you know, Josh, don't glorify the private servers, but it is kind of the reason why we're here now. So who spent some time it's the on the only Nostaris? reason, Josh. Well, there you go. It's the only reason. There you go. A lot of people I'm, do say that. And, you know... People have been giving me shit. Oh, you know, it's on the forums. Duh, 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 duh. Blizzard would have come to the conclusion anyway. No, they fucking wouldn't. Mm. I mean, just just think about it. Like Activision Blizzard, a multi-billion-dollar company, was basically forced to completely change their tune only because of the player base. How often does that happen? Like that was pretty insane. Now you got to remember. Private servers have been around in various incantations since day one of, like, even vanilla. Mm. They were all bugged to hell and gone. But, I mean, I myself originally started playing on a private server back on Phoenix around 2011. And uh, that was bugged to hell. And Nostalarius was a breath of fresh air because Phoenix was so corrupt. I ended up getting permanently banned because I told the lead admin to go fuck himself. <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> that, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. It was also the first server that was like close to Blizzlike. Yeah, like, true. Also, like, yeah, but it was, it was bugged. It was really bugged. Yeah. But, no, but no, no, I was talking about Nostalgia. I was talking about Nostalgia. It was... Closer, closer, closer. But I mean, like... Well, that's obviously part of the reason why people... You know, we're so happy. We move on to a moment where, unfortunately, Nostalgias gets shut down. Some of you have mentioned, obviously, that you played there. But, you know, then we get this absence of space, if you will. So we're still some time away from the official announcement in late 2017 of the classic servers. And I'll, I'll jump to, to you other guys here. And whether or not, you know, you don't have to have played on Nostalgias to have realized that we were living in somewhat of a void where, you know, Vanilla WoW was not officially available and you were just left to whatever private servers were um, available, whether or not you chose down to go those, uh, go down those sort of illegal waters, if you will. But Solveig, I might ask you, mate, and get some other people who we haven't heard from yet to piggyback off of what you say. How did you feel about that, let's say that one year leading up to the announcement of World of Warcraft Classic post the shutdown of Nostalgias? Um, yeah, I was a bit devastated. I mean, I did play on Nostalgias. I got to 60 on a warrior and uh, raided into Blackwing Lair. Um, so the shutdown was a bit of a, a letdown, definitely, for me, uh, not being able to sort of progress further and, and play the rest of the game like I kind of anticipated. So, yeah, uh, ended up having to kind of uh, do, a bit of, do a bit of a soul search, uh, try and find an MO that, that kind of... Uh, kept me entertained and, and amused for a while and uh, I think I found that in Black Desert but uh, yeah it was definitely a bit of a sad period not having um, World of Warcraft which was kind of my home um, mm. available because mm. keep in mind Anchorage was literally about to open right yeah, it was it was so close yeah, I thought, I thought it was I like a that. week or two away from AQ40 and AQ20 opening up I, rem- I remember grinding for the war effort <laughs> no, I know. And, and my guild that I was raiding with, we had literally, for the first time, 
finally progressed and killed Nefarian like the week before. And we were so stoked about AQ. And then we're like, oh, mm. shit. Tim, I might get you to jump in at this point and just ask. I'm not sure if you did. I, I, I don't think you played Nastarius, but were, mm-hmm. you, were you one of those people who sort of only upon the announcement of World of Warcraft Classic was that when you became awakened to, holy shit, this is a thing? Or were you quite cognizant of the scene before that? I've been around for a little while. I think I started in 2015 because my buddy had got me to play the EQ private server, P90. And uh, if nobody's played an EQ, EQ before, it's uh, it's rough. <laughs> um, but it made me go, huh, I wonder if something like this exists for World of Warcraft, which then I stumbled upon. Uh, I didn't play Phoenix. I played something called Vanilla Gaming, which was... Oh, that was dog shit. That was... <laughs> yeah, it was... I chose it. It was, it was... I think it's still around. It's like one of the oldest ones. It's like it times is. 15 XP and... Like so, you just you just run it. It's just like a day it takes to get to sixty, and then you're just there to to do like end game stuff. And it was it was fine, you know. I played the druid, and it was fine. Hmm. But, uh, but Nostalgia, it, it has a cash shop too, right? Uh, it didn't at the time I was there, but oh. they eventually got one. Yeah, they just had the voting thing when I was there, right? Where you could like you just vote. Yeah, oh, yeah, God, yeah. Which is also not great, but uh, but the thing for me with Nostalgia that was. Um, really eye-opening, I think not just for me, but for Blizzard and everybody else, mm-hmm. was I really missed, I, when I was on Vanilla Gaming, so it's a times 15 XP, but you can set it to times one, and I was, I did that, mm-hmm. just because I was like, I kind of want to do this again, I kind of want to do the grind, I want to take my time. Mm-hmm. Of course, after like 20 levels, when I'm the literal only person in Ashenvale, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's you just sort of go. Well, okay, fine. I guess I'll join the crowd. Yeah. Um, the thing with with Blizzard, you know, there's a famous line from Blizzard. You know, you think you do, but you don't. Which I think they said before Nostalgia really took off. I could be wrong on that timeline, but yeah, it was. Yeah. So Nostalgia really, I think, opened their eyes up and opened a lot of people's eyes up too. You know, we don't just want to like play the end game. We don't want to take a quick ride around and just be like, oh, this is great. We really wanted the full experience. Yeah. Um, we want to live in Azeroth. Exactly. And like a big part of that is the slow grind, is some of the difficulties, mm. some of the bugs. All of that is just the thing that made this game great. Yeah. And uh, I think once Blizzard saw how popular Nostalgia was, that this was a server where you couldn't, you know, do times 15 XP or whatever, that yeah. there was no cash shop or voting or they were like, oh, Maybe there is something here. Yeah. And so the people... Well, was, the wasn't pe- just that, though. They were the only private server that willingly shut down after receiving... That, too. That's true, a yeah. ...season desist. Because everyone else... Because, I mean, you just you Google Warcraft private server, and you get the phone book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And like when I say I, I can, I appreciate where you're coming from, Thaloris, because I actually didn't really realize that until recently. Because everyone's saying, obviously, you get the cease and desist letter, you you ball it up and you toss it in the bin, which is what everyone was doing. For some reason, Nostarius went sort of a bit down the martyr route and decided to actually reply, if you will, or shut down their servers and get involved in the process, which is what led, you know, that's the trickle-down effect to what Big led to time. where we are today. But yeah. when, I, when I say also... That I sh- is the difference. For that sure. is the difference. For sure. And I think and that's they honestly happened. did that because they actually, I think a lot of those devs are really passionate about that server, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think they, I think they personally like this because i think because i remember when this happened everyone was like oh well their servers are in sweden or wherever like they did they didn't have to do it with where they were hosting 
the game. Exactly. But they did it because I think they honestly were like, well, fuck, if we do this, like, there's a chance that, like, we can plead our case and maybe they'll bring us on to help and, like, we can actually make this, like, a thing, mm. you know? Well, it was twofold because, number one, they didn't operate a cash shop. So on face value, they were volunteers. They weren't in it for the money. And number two, once they got the cease and desist mm. letter, they willingly shut down. Mm. And then at that point, Blizzard was like, okay, maybe there is something here. Gutter, if I can they were turn martyrs to for the cause. Absolutely, they were. They were that word martyr again for sure. Gutter, if I can turn to you for a second, because I used the phrase just then. I said off the cuff that you know we want to live in Azeroth. This is what we want. And obviously, there are people who could hear that and say, "Josh, you fucking idiot! You can live in Azeroth right now. What are you talking about? You can do it legitimately. There's a version of the game sitting right there for you." So I appreciate the sort of the silliness that that comes out of my mouth when I say that. But obviously, to many of us, there's another version of Azeroth that we like and that's what classic proffers that we feel that we can't get with the current version of the game but gutter you're one of those people who i believe when we spoke earlier we haven't talked on the show before but you and i have talked privately i believe you mentioned that you played a whole bunch of old school mmos as well is that right uh yes and no um i definitely uh i played heavily during or at least when it comes to why I played uh, vanilla heavily burning crusade, even more so wrath, I kind of trickled out and then I've kind of been checking in and like to every expansion as it's gone on. Um, other MMOs, I always kind of like tried out like, because I think wow captured me at such a young age. I wanted to find like something else, like another world. I jumped into like Aeon and a bunch of stuff, but nothing mm. ever grabbed me that way. But it is funny though, because I, I got into private servers during tbc i think it was i'm trying to remember because i was so young i actually ended up gming some random fun server you know where you could get to level 254 and like you could run through hajal and like kill a bunch of stuff for no reason like so it's funny because i don't have i mean i've been playing on private servers honestly for the last like year or two like actually after nos getting shut down is what Mm. got me back into them um but i was never like progressively into them until Mm. now well you mentioned aeon and and i do remember you uh, mentioning that last time we spoke and and that's why i was kind of get to the going to get to this with you and anyone else who's had this experience please do chime in because i'm sure we're all people who have tried a number of mmos but nostalgia gets shut down people would obviously say hey guys like you like mmos if you don't like retail world of warcraft go and play another game but i was there you know i was trying out aeon as well i was trying out warhammer online and all that stuff and it just wasn't scratching the itch for me it wasn't really quite getting to that level that wow did for me back in the day so gutter i'll start with you and anyone else who's um maybe we'll get to uh locked after this i don't think we've heard from you yet mate sorry guys i'm trying to juggle everyone and make sure everyone gets in there so we'll get there eventually but gutter just quickly like why didn't other mmos in this time around that 2016 2017 time frame do it for you you know that's tough i mean if we're talking 2016 2017 i mean I, I, you know it's funny because i still do play retail like regularly despite everything i have wrong with it because i'm able to view it as a different game uh like you know what i always tell people is wow now is it's an mmo vanilla was an mmorpg yeah it, it's no longer that and honestly, it's just for me, you know, for better or for worse, I think, you know, WoW stole from Ultima and everything steals from each other. But the core of WoW kind of defined what modern day MMOs would be. And I think for better or for worse, a lot of other games either try to directly oppose that in order to stand out. 
and like a lot of weird design decisions. And to be honest, I mean, MMOs aren't the market they were. They were groundbreaking when they came out in the early 2000s. But I mean, honestly, I'm sure the market share isn't nearly what they are anymore. Everything's games service now. I mean, a mm. subscription to play a game? No way. You got to get a battle pass and... You know, and yeah. then you got to unlock skins, like so. Loot you know, boxes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Meh. So it's tough because <laughs> you know I don't think you ever not only capture that lightning in a bottle, but I don't think you're going to get the amount of dev support that it did, and like that honestly kind of ties into that. Excuse me, that year long gap where they shut down NOS, right? And we didn't hear anything. And I think there's a lot of people out there who kind of view that, like, view maybe Classic as a cash in or whatever to rehash content. But the thing is, is that if this was easy, Blizzard would have done this way long ago. If they could have easily just dropped vanilla again or like vanilla servers and said, hey, we're doing progressive content servers from day one, right? Like, they would have done it if it was easy because it's literally the laziest thing a company could do. Hmm. You have 15 years of pre-developed content of a game that you can just slowly release again and people are going to eat it like fucking candy because hmm. you haven't been able to do it. Whereas, but I think if anything, them taking that year was really a, a hard look at it. And clearly it's not easy. They are going back and you know they didn't have all the code. And hmm. I think that's what a lot of that break was is they weren't sure they could do it. Hmm. So it's funny to me, like even though some people view like classic as maybe an easy cash into like, you know, it's like, the the quote-unquote knacks of wrath of like releasing a game right it's like reusing all of your stuff and putting it out again i think if anything it shows that like Mm. it's not easy and they're taking it seriously and because they would have done this a long time ago like Mm. easily a long time ago if it was easy for them to do i think there was enough of a uh, show of hands for wanting it though much before nostalgia and that's true too, for sure. I mean, not like, and like I said, I, I, I played around on private servers, like when I was real young, literally to like go and see Hajal and like GM Island and stuff, just to like be a 13 year old kid to see parts of the world that you couldn't see. But, um, I, I do agree because I only started, <laughs> well, right, right. But yeah, I mean, I only got back into private servers because of NOS because I didn't think there were any that were actually that professional. And obviously NOS, like, like it was, it had its bugs, you know, the population itself wasn't very Blizz-like, but you know, it was probably the closest anyone had gotten mm-hmm. at that point. Lox, let me throw it over to you now, mate, and just ask you again, as we wrap up on this kind of pre-announcement phase of this call, how did you feel about the landscape of MMORPGs just prior to the announcement of Classic WoW, a lot of people talk about, you know, the death of the genre and how bleak it looked and, oh, my God, fuck, why can't anyone make a decent MMORPG? Companies don't have the money to put the investment into the the, the, the game or the, the the time to develop these in the way in which they should be to de- deliver something amazing. What did you think of the options that were laid out before you and why did it make the announcement of World of Warcraft Classic such a game changer? Um, well, I was definitely one of those guys that was still playing retail. Um, but I always, you know, whenever something new came along, be it Star Wars or um, any of the other major MMOs that appeared, I'd jump on board for that because I was, you know, always trying to look for that, you know, RPG experience that, you know, was slowly dwindling away as WoW came out. So yeah, when I actually heard the announcement that Classic was actually coming, I was quite amazed because... That's the type of game I want. I want to be able to, you know, actually have a character I care about again. Like I on retail, I have like ten level one hundred and something characters now. It doesn't matter. While in classic, you know, I would have had this character that I valued and actually enjoyed playing. Hmm. I put time and effort there. Okay, guys. So I want to shift to the next gear of this call, and we get to that moment in late 2017 that everyone points to the announcement of World of Warcraft Classic. Something that 
I think it's pretty fair to say none of us saw coming. It blew us away when that announcement came at BlizzCon. People, you know, the videos are there, the reaction videos of people freaking the fuck out. You know, it's something that obviously was the impetus behind me starting the show. I freaked the fuck out as well. Jacoby, we haven't heard from you, mate. Let's go to you now. Tell us how you uh, felt when you saw <laughs> or heard about the announcement. How I felt on May 17th was probably the same as normal because I actually probably missed. I slept on the announcement, so I don't think I was one of the screaming, <laughs> jumping around people that day, unfortunately. But no, it's funny because when I got the announcement a little week later, I was like, you know, it's kind of a, like the phases of the reaction. At first, I was just like, huh, well, that's kind of cool. Nice to bring it back. And then I thought about it a little bit more over the next few weeks. And I'm like, you know, I really did like those days, you know, back when I was 14. And then you think about it a bit more. And then I just got gradually more and more excited. And that's when I started looking for podcasts to listen to. And that's when I found the community. So it all kind of snowballed from there. But it's, uh, so it's been a crazy, like, I, I mean, I was, I said I wasn't hyped day one, but it's, 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 it's crazy how I can be excited for something that's, you know, almost half my lifetime ago. Well, with that, really cres- with that crescendo kind of building for you, and it's interesting to hear someone that has slowly had the hype build as opposed to bursting out of the gate. Do you think by the time the game releases, you'll be fucking ready to go? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, hanging out with you guys has been a really good uh, way to keep myself in the, in the hype loop there. But, you know, like I said, it's just like now that I'm looking back and doing my research and remembering what I did like and didn't like, you know, it's not just the nostalgia factor we're looking for. Like in, in the whole, like vanilla is just a really, really good solid RPG, which is like something I've always, you know, really enjoyed. And, you know, part of me, it's not, it's not necessarily trying to recapture what I felt when I was 14, mm. but it's trying to, um, you know, appreciation for what, you know what, this is just a good game. Like I'm, I can't be the only one who gets out the Super Nintendo once in a while for Mario Bros. Right? Oh no. Like all, oh no. We all do. Come that. on. We all do that. Right. So it's like, you know, it, it doesn't, games don't get bad as you get older. It's just there, you know, you appreciate them for different reasons. So part of me, that's what I'm looking forward to here is finding a new appreciation for what I didn't get to do the first time. Um, like I've told a lot of people here in the community and anyone in the Discord doesn't know. I love, you know, I'm really involved in the community, but I have very, very little experience. Uh, you know, back in the day when I was 14, I, my main activities were running around the world and, you know, I'd go to this, Oh, this is where the battle of Mount Hyjal happened. Or, Oh, this is Rathy Bay. Oh, this is so cool. And I just, I never got anything done. So really, I feel like I wasted my time. So my approach to classic now is a bit like the, uh, I always think it's like that scene in Kill Bill when she walks in the room and, you know, it's like, uh, hey, World of Warcraft classic, you and I have unfinished business. <laughs> Does that make us the crazy 88 for Josh? <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes specifically Mike the guy with the bowler mask who comes in and goes, yeah! <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> so good. Batlord, let me fire it over to you. Now, guys, while I'm, I'm getting this one out of Batlord, I know, Mike, you've got a good story for this one, but think of the stories behind you finding out about the announcement. Now, Batlord, do you remember where you were or how you felt? Did you hear the news on the day? Did you hear it later? How did you go about digesting this news? If I remember right, actually, I was hanging with some friends. Uh, we were playing on a different private server. I can't remember which one at the time, and it, uh, our, like resident uh like internet sweeper got the news and told us about it because none of us were doing the the live stream and it was just uh it was bananas we all used to play together all the time we did most of our leveling in the same room whether it was at uh the internet cafe around the corner or if it was at our friend's house but uh no it was uh we all lost our shit it was um and we've been looking forward to it ever since then even though you know obviously it's 
taking them a long time to bring us, you know, the most quality product they can. Um, we're all still just like holding our breaths and with all the news lately, um, it's just been a constant hype train rolling. Mm. Mike, I'll kick it over to you now because you mentioned that the announcement date was a special date to you. What's your story? So the hype was ever since the Nostalgia shut down, the hype was building for me since if anyone remembers this, the, the picture with Mark Kern with the with the stack of the giant stack of papers with the petition where it's got well, like half a million signatures or something like that and not like a weeks before BlizzCon and I was like it's going to be my birth it's, it's it was going to be my birthday for the for the first day of BlizzCon and I'm like come on Blizzard please for for my birthday give me Give me something. Like I was, I was one of those people. That was, that was that was kind of half. Like I was so I was so into like Vanilla WoW at that point that I was actually kind of half expecting a classic announcement. But it still, it was like so. Like no shit. There was opening ceremony. The fucking day of my birthday. I'm like, come on, Blizzard, give it to me, please. Give me something. And then just like when Jalen and Brack just like when he tells the the story about like the with the the, the ice cream and he's like, and your favorite flair is. Vanilla, and I'm like, holy fucking shit! No way! I literally, I start jumping up and down, and I literally do a lap, like two or three laps around my house. I was like, I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, oh my god! It must have been an amazing thirteenth birthday present. Hey, you gotta, you guys gotta remember. Anyone could have made that announcement, but the fact that it was JL and Brack who did it was the ultimate mea culpa for yeah. him. Yeah. Because he was the face of you think you do, but you don't all those years. It was the so best possible PR move. I fucking hated that dude up until that until that day. I'd hated his guts for exactly. saying that shit. Exactly. I wanted to punch that dude in the face, and then when he announced classic, I wanted to fucking kiss him on the forehead. Ayo, <laughs> let me ask you, because I still say that that's one of their great PR moves, and as you guys have stated already, it made you change your feelings about him, and he's now the fucking president of the company, which obviously we didn't see coming at the time, but is significant now, for him to get those brownie points back with the community. Ayo, what did that mean to to you i think that was huge especially with you know kind of the way blizzard uh, has been going recently to kind of have a throwback to the older times where they really were a gaming company made by gamers to kind of you know do that to have a guy so high up eat crow in front of all their fans and to give the fans what they really want like that's really something special mm. I've got no doubt that he's probably very happy that that happened the way in which it did. Um, but it's something that, you know, people still cite that moment as such a huge moment. You go that I think it was, and now you guys can correct me. I'm pretty sure this is the case. The announcement of classic is still like the one of the more, it's either one of the most or the most popular post over at the r slash wow Reddit. Is that right? No clue, but I, I, I would probably argue it is the like one of the most iconic moments ever in for for like any blizzcon certainly in our hearts it's the most popular one over there 
Yeah, it's it's it was a weird one. It just stands out to me because I remember thinking like, huh, that's weird. Like the the wow redditors loved that classic announcement. But anyway, moving on from that, so we find out that we're getting it. Well, I should ask. I'll open it to the floor. Does anyone have any really standout memories um, about the announcement? Did you go outside and kiss a stranger or anything like that? I kind of was. I have I have an interesting one. It's not like crazy, but I used to. Um, this was 2017, right? That BlizzCon. So I was working on um, a Discovery Channel show at the time, and I was actually in Egypt, and we were camping in a like in like the desert, kind of like out like near Cairo, but kind of outside of it. But I actually remember spending uh, like you know however much it costs through your phone company to actually have like access to like your data when you're like international or whatever <laughs> i remember i was trying to like pull up any feeds i could like of blizzcon cuz i just wanted to like see announcements or whatever and then i see the announcement it actually i was trying to watch like the live feed like the virtual ticket or whatever and it, it kept stuttering and like getting really like grainy and you know like uh, pixelated and stuff and i just actually i'm not even making this up but it was just like in you uh, vanilla and i was like what and like i started <laughs> i i start freaking out i didn't even know he was making a joke like because i couldn't get it to load enough i didn't even understand the ice cream references or anything for like a week until i flew back to the states to watch the actual announcement video i thought he straight up just walked up and was like uh yeah and uh, we're making vanilla wow servers mm. so mm. i'm running around like in like our campsite out in the desert like freaking out to all of my coworkers who like know nothing about any of this i'm like dude like i gotta i would have gone up and kissed the camel myself i was very i was very close to i didn't know i it's funny because i at that point once i realized nobody around me uh like cared or gave a shit i kind of just like walked off by myself and like smoked a cigarette I was standing over by the camels actually and just kind of like all right fuck so i need to reevaluate uh my future uh, that sounds like the last three my- years of my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like i was I, I was like fuck i'm gonna have to call off work for like a month whenever they announce it that's why like i'm waiting for the date not because i'm impatient i'm fine with waiting i just like need to plan my life around that for a solid month or two fair enough fair enough tim let me throw this one to you because we're going to get to a moment and again we're just going down the chronology here but obviously the announcement meant a lot to me and i was really really excited to go back and sort of as he as one of you mentioned before kind of like rewrite the wrongs of my past vanilla self i was like i want to do this again and i want to get another shot at it i want to i want to you know i want to do things differently i want to sort of come at it with a little bit of a smarter angle and try and sort of just have fun in a different way this time around. This is so great that we get to do this again. I'm so excited. And then I did what many of us did. I turned to media. I was jumping on YouTube. I was looking around for a way in which to find people talking about this announcement and this game. I was like, World of Warcraft Classic, I want to hear people talking about it. I want to see videos about it. I want to consume media on this topic. And I found that there was a little bit out there, but not too much. And so, obviously, that led to a certain thing. But let me ask you, Tim, because you were one of the first few people to to jump on the show. You were very early uh, in the Discord. You know, obviously, I started Countdown to Classic uh, to get it to get another podcast out there. Um, you were an early adopter of the show. You were surely doing the same thing as I was, running around, going, "Where can I hear people talking about this?" I mean, months. I like as soon as it came out, I was looking just like you said everywhere. My normal thing I love to track down are podcasts, um, but uh, you know there were a lot of World of Warcraft podcasts, and they might have done a five ten minute segment, being like, "Oh, hey, classic! I guess that's cool." And I'm like screaming at them, like, "How are you not more excited?" 
Um, you know, I was trying to track things out on YouTube and people were excited, but it just, cause nobody had the build up like myself. And I think a lot of other people who had played nostalgia, cause a lot of the people who are doing professional shows are doing, they're on retail. So that's their main audience and that's fine. But, uh, I cannot express to you how happy I was to find this show. Uh, because I had been looking everywhere for something that could just be, just put classic World of Warcraft discussions and news and whatever into my ears for like an hour or two or three nowadays, which is great every single day, you know? And so I found, I think I found you, you had come out with like 30 episodes. I was like, well, great. I guess this is what I'm doing for the rest of the month. I was about to like echo the kind of those kind of things that Tim said. I, I was like the, literally the day they announced classic, maybe not only a few hours later, I was literally clamoring to find stuff to listen to. I literally started listening to wow radio again. All like ever, all the stuff that that Toe Biscuit did, just to, like to try to like. Even though I had played Nostalgia, I wanted to like remember what it actually like was back then. I wanted, I just wanted to consume media about Classic WoW again. Even though I was super entrenched in, in like the the private search community with that, I found the podcast when you were like five episodes in. I'm like, this is what I needed in my life. I needed, I needed classic content. Solveig, if I can ask you, mate, because you've done a relatively similar thing to me in that you've created a spot for people to congregate and talk about the game. And, and as I mentioned at the top of the call, you created the, the Oceanic Discord, which is now doing so well. You know, got about 700 members over there, Australians, New Zealanders, people in the general region who are going to be playing the game. What was, what was your thought behind that time when you were clamoring for people to talk about this thing with uh look i actually started that discord back uh not too long after the announcement of class that server basically sat there for about a year not not really doing anything uh i had a couple of people a couple of friends uh ethug and uh, a couple of others who came in and it kind of sat there for yeah for a while and and not a lot happened uh up until really 2018 um with with blizzcon there um so not not actually long ago either where pretty much it just exploded i i started actually sort of putting it out there getting the name out there and and lots more people started sort of jumping on board and a couple of people came in and were like oh yeah i'm so glad that we finally got a space to actually talk about all this stuff and and they they just went from there. They went to town, um, started like throwing the threads out on on uh, Classic WoW onto the forums, onto I think uh, actually no, I think I did the Barons chat one, but yeah, they they just sort of went from there, and it, it's it's been a snowball. Mm. It's uh, been pretty incredible. Jacoby, if I can turn to you for a second and just say that obviously you know soon after the announcement, we got the show going. But also, um, we started up the Discord as well, the show's Discord. And, uh, you're again, relatively early adopter of the Discord, but also you're a Countdown Classic patron and someone who obviously I thank every week on the show for your support and, and helping the show progress the way in which it has. If I could just ask you to sort of explain what your experience has been with the Discord up to this point, because a funny little thing happened along the way of starting the show, and that's, this discord that became something so much more than I ever anticipated because I don't know if you guys know this, but I didn't know what discord was when I actually got told, Hey man, you should start a discord for the show. And I was like, literally what's discord and had to look into it. It was like, all right, fuck it. It's like a chat room. I'll do it. And then it's, it's gotten to the stage now where it's, it's 
you know, such a an interesting place to be. But if I can get you to, to tell us, Jacoby, about what you think of it all. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it's, it's even crazy to hear I'm one of the early adopters of the Discord because I feel like I got, re- I was really tardy to the party, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's such a crazy feeling because I haven't really been wanting to be involved with an online community for years. Like I, I think personally that's, that's what really affected my original experience at WoW when I was younger because I think it really made, you know, especially listening to other people, it really makes or breaks your experience with Warcraft, depending on how good a community you have, you have friends, you have a guild to support you. So that's a huge difference. So I didn't have that the first time. And I think that's part of what let me down. But now, you know, getting involved in this and like, you know, I just, at first I dropped in just because I was, you know, like um, the others were saying like you, oh, I want to, I want to consume content about classic now that I'm interested in it. Well, usually I look for a podcast because it's something to listen to on my way to work. Oh, this podcast is really good. This Corbett guy seems to know what he's talking about. I like his voice. He seems to be charming. And then oh, there's a Discord. Oh, let's, let's, let's check Discord. I've, I've heard of Discord. Let me check this out. And Sam, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who have started, uh, using Discord for the first time, specifically because they want to check out this community. And, you know, I got in and it's, it's, it's crazy. I love, you know, I feel right at home here. And it, a lot of the things I like about Discord is it kind of feels like the early internet days before Facebook and Reddit and social media really got going. Like what were you, you wanted to talk about something, you go to a forum and you have a tag and you post and people read those posts, and, you know, you have that kind of community builds from it there. But, you know, this is a nice little family now. And I've kind of, uh, even even if we're not talking about World of Warcraft, you know, there's always good conversation and good uh, good energy in the area. And even if I don't agree with what everyone's talking about, it's nice to have that discourse and that uh, you know just that generation of ideas and content. And you know, we all have different interests. I mean, me and Mike have hijacked the uh, Play Other Games channel into Magic the Gathering channel, but um, sorry, not sorry. You know, it's great. <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorite things now is uh, having uh, people to talk about Magic with. Uh, you know, because of Unfortunately for me, I don't have a lot of real life people that share a lot of my common interests. Um, my brother's probably the only one who would even in my real life circle who would even consider playing World of Warcraft again. And this, as soon as I asked him if he would, he's like, fuck it. No, man, those days are gone. Like I'm married now. <laughs> hmm. So it's really good for me because it's hard to share what I, my passion for this game with people in real life. Hmm. I have this whole f- family online and either in my pocket or when I come home and just even if I'm playing other games. Mm. So it's one thing I really love about the discord is, you know, they're here for you. Talk it out, listen to other people. It's, it's a, it's a family. It's great. I'm glad you've taken that out of it so far. It's, I definitely have come to feel the same way about it. Locked. If I can turn to you now and just sort of ask you about the period of time, period of time that elapsed from the announcement, let's say until BlizzCon 2018. Now, that's about a year. Well, it is a year. We didn't hear a lot from Blizzard, and people started to get frustrated. And while we weren't hearing anything, this massive argument sort of erupted within the community about changes versus no changes. Tell me about your evaluation of that funny 12-month period we had from like November 2017 to November 2018 when we're arguing amongst ourselves and not hearing anything from Blizzard. When the, that no changes versus change, changes argument first appeared, I was very much actually one of those changes people. I know, horrible. Um, but basically I was, you know, of the opinion, cool, vanilla Warcraft, classic Warcraft was amazing. But as we all know, there were problems. But I've, you know, 
come and I've, I've seen a lot at this point, like, you know, let's not change the game because slippery slope. As much as I'd want to say, let's make hunters the uh, greatest of all damage dealers. <laughs> there's too many changes. You know, that one change could lead to many other changes that could ruin the game. Hmm. But that said, like, um, I, it's interesting to see that I've seen the no changes camp also change over time. Hmm. Like when that first argument first appeared, we'd see, uh, hashtag no changes. It needs to be exactly as the game was when it finished. Nothing changes at all. Mm. Can't even have colorblind mode in there because otherwise that's a change and that's a bad thing. But like, as we've seen since then, you know, people have been a bit more accepting of, oh yeah, we could, you know, change it so it runs better on a modern PC. We could change it to do, you know, these other simple background system type things that don't actually really, you know, affect the overall gameplay experience that we're looking for in classic WoW. So, yeah, I'm very, you know, it's interesting to see how the community's slowly moved to that more centre location over time. Now, Batlord, I'll I'll turn to you for sort of a, a final direct question, and then I'm going to open it up to the floor a little bit amongst all of you you uh, who will have some varied opinions, I feel, on this period of time. But, Batlord, do you recall, would you be able to put into words how you felt during that 12-month period when Blizzard was being silent? Were you getting the shits that they weren't talking to us very much? We had, what, the one dev water cooler that came through and and just months of silence that people were getting really, really sort of vitriolic about. Do you remember much about that period? I do, definitely. Um, I remember right after the announcement, they're, you know, being really excited and going, you know, like, okay, I know, you know, that it's it's not going to be immediate. It's going to take some time. And then, you know, it got a few months into it and just between life, you know, um, I'm in school and just, you know, all this other stuff, I, I just kind of had to mentally check out of it for a while because I was just too caught up in it. And, um, I kind of dipped my toe back in on that first water cooler talk. And, um, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think when it was, what episode of this, of your podcast, but, something sparked and I was like, Oh, I'm going to look around online, see if there's anything. And I found your podcast and I feel like I came in just in time because, uh, I was catching up and then that's when all of the, the, the recent news has come out and I've just been able to power through your whole podcast and catch up. But no, those, those 12 months, like I said, I just, I had to kind of just check out because nothing was coming out. Hmm. Now, guys, I'm going to open it to the floor. First in best dressed, you guys sort of talk and yell amongst yourselves for a little while here. Who was the shittiest that Blizzard was staying silent for so long? Uh, obviously, Mark oh, was the most. I was, I, dude, I, I just, I was so pissed for how I was like, I was ready to like, I felt like, at least in my mind, I was ready to go to fucking Irvine, California and be like, Blizzard, tell us something about classic, seeing, hearing so many things about people like saying, Oh yeah, we got to rebalance druids or paladins mm. or give it, give us like all these, like very clearly like things that weren't in vanilla. Wow. I was ready to lose my fucking mind. I'm like, these people never wanted classic. And now just because of the classic announcement, they just want to chime in and just change the game for how they feel. Not the people that actually wanted, want the game the way it was back then. I was like, mm. I was, okay, I've oh changed my, my mind again. I reckon we should actually nerf undead rogues. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Michael just walking around in real life, like walking up behind people, making the unstealthing sound with his mouth, like, <laughs> and then just stabbing people. <laughs> to be fair, isn't that literally racist? <laughs> the undead rogue, yeah. yeah. With, with how long it, it took them to, like, like confirm that they, like, 
were go- trying to be as authentic as they could be. I was frothing at the mouth about mm. with all these people espousing changes for to the game. I was I was ready to lose my fucking mind. Someone was about and, to chime in about how upset they were on the silence. Who was that? Oh well, it's funny. I I wasn't. It wasn't necessarily about how upset I was. I just think it's a different perspective that I can give because I mean, I'm sure a lot. Like I'm sure a lot of people here play retail in some degree, but I think for better for worse, because I'm a masochist. I actually like. I I mean, like I'm a progressive raider right now, at least in it. Um, And so for me, you know, when this like so that was announced, I think the same BlizzCon as BFA. So Legion was like in full swing right there, and like you know, in my opinion. I mean, like, regardless of, like, overarching design decisions and the overall direction of the game, I think Legion was actually, like, a pretty fantastic expansion in regards to, like, what WoW has kind of become. Like, disreg- like not comparing it to Vanilla, right? Like, if you view it as a different game, kind of. So, for me, you know, they announced Classic. I'm sitting there going, this is great. They're sitting there going, it's going to take a while. But, like, because, in my opinion, I liked Legion so much and it was in full swing, like, I was kind of like, all right, that's fine. Like, you you do that. That's great. Like I'm going to focus on this for now. So I wasn't like mad at the silence. If anything, I took it because it's blizzard. Like (laughs) they, they don't talk unless they want to. I mean, soon TM is like a a thing because of them. Right. So I don't know, just a different perspective. Cause I actually had to look up when they announced it and was like, Oh yeah, Legion was like in full swing. Like it's funny. I actually wasn't really chomping at the bit. I mean, I wanted information, but I was kind of, preoccupied i guess yeah solveg let me ask you mate and again once solveg's done with his answer guys go nuts everyone chime in when you can but what do you think when you look back and reflect on where we've come now from i do honestly look back and laugh a little bit at at what i call the civil war um of you know changes versus no changes and it's you know the, the devs have done such a good job recently of you know and it's something that i've been proven wrong on um you know going down this no changes angle um you know i was sort of a bit skeptical going like oh is it really going to wind up no changes and it looks like they really are trying to do that authenticity so i'll happily eat crow on that one but what did you think of the arguments that were going on on forums and whatnot a year ago and how crazy they got Look, I basically feel like Switzerland, to be honest. Um, <laughs> one part of me is like, you know what? I want it to just be wow, how I remember it. No changes. Just get on, enjoy, uh, play the shit out of the game and just, you know, go from there. But on the other side of things, it's like, well, Paladins kind of fucked. Druids aren't very good as Boomkins, you know, all these little things that like, could make things a little bit better for certain people. But yeah, I, I don't know. I found it, uh, pretty funny watching sort of the civil war go on 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 the forums and uh around the discords and that sort of thing and i think to the most degree that's sort of simmered down because i think blizzard's actually finally come out and just been like you know what we're going to stick true to to what we know what we made and we're just going to get on with it from there so yeah it's been a bit of a wild ride but i think we're definitely going to see uh a no changes uh classic should be good i'd say it's somewhat changes you still have like the uh more modern client and who really knows what exact changes that's going to bring to the game i guess we're probably gonna see and i don't know if that'll work in the modern client i guess we're probably gonna see like minor changes but i think that's a lot to do with uh having to go back and, and grab that information off of sort of skeleton clients and that sort of thing i think most to the most part 99.5 percent or something of it's going to be no changes i think we're going to get just that little bit extra that 
is really a bit out of their control. Mm. The analogy I think of now is just that like they're treating this sort of like a modern kind of museum. Like if you if you wanted to like recreate an old West train, right, that people could ride, uh, you'd want all the seats to look the same and the aesthetic to be the same and a lot of the things to be the same to give you that that feel. But there'd also probably be air conditioning because who wants to ride through like the Texas desert in the middle of July, right? We do. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's the thing that sort of brought me unstuck because a couple of people have commented, you know, and not sort of being they they weren't being overly dickish about it or anything, but sort of saying, "Look, Josh, you've you've been saying that this is the game we're getting is winding up the changes version of the game when it's clearly going to be the no changes version of the game." And my interpretation, Al, I think we somewhat agreed on this of no changes, and this is erroneous in a lot of people's minds, and I'm happy to wear that, has been literally not one change. And people have been saying that's a ridiculously rigid interpretation. No changes was more of a movement of meaning as fewer changes as possible. And I was like, I thought no changes meant not one change. But I, I, early, cha- early no changes was exactly that. Early no changes was a it was nothing, absolutely, yeah, must nothing. Be yeah. It, it, must, uh, it must be the original client, all that crap. Uh, I I think there were some people who were like, the tough thing with this argument is I think there's a lot of people on both sides that do the whole, that side is arguing and then they list a ton of ridiculous Mm -hmm. things. Can I ask a question to everyone here that I'm just kind of curious about? I feel like you guys would have better insight than other people. Go for it, mate. Go for it. Okay. So everyone has like their moment in wow, right? Where like it began to fall from grace. Some people claim it was cataclysm. Some people claim it was wrath. I lean towards wrath was the beginning of the end, honestly. Um, But regardless, everyone has their moment, right? Where design decisions were being made that led to the game to where it is now that is no longer vanilla. Now, I'm very much in the camp of no changes in the sense of like, I want to experience vanilla, right? But at a certain point, right? Like if this is going to be a sustainable model or a product for them, like they're going to do one of two things and one seems more obvious than the other like just essentially releasing progressive servers right like eventually they will put out a tbc server a rath server and so on and so forth but if that's the case i mean that's the no changes crowd right like if you look at the long-term plan of whatever you know classic could be if you take the no changes route you're going to end up with progressive servers and you know even regardless in the modern day if we're on expansion you know 20 or 30 we will end up at warlords of drainer with these progressive servers and obviously yeah with the transfers and stuff right but uh, my question is and you know it's funny i'm no changes but is there anyone in here that like even toys with the idea of like a horizontal you know design direction where Um, it's like what if like else worlds like maybe not even full expansions like i don't know but like is that like blasphemy and i don't know where what point you pick to like go off of if it was me i would say like i guess we deal with wrath and then we like peel out before kata but like is that i just don't know what the like hardcore community feels about that right like lock lock you're saying you're pro i would love to see a move from the classic vanilla where we have to something new that follows that design philosophy because i feel right that, okay you know, from burning crusade onwards like we start seeing that slight change like the only thing i dislike about burning crusades probably arenas and flying otherwise i think that was a relatively perfect expansion uh wrath of lich king um i think the rating and pve side of it was great but then you had the uh, introduction of group finders like i'd much rather see um from the end of classic new content with that original divine design philosophy in place you know Let's make um, stuff equivalent to next gear, new raids and all that. 
that, you know, go in a different direction, focus on different stats and so forth. I'll add my two cents on this one because I'm one of the people who's against it, not only because I think that a TBC Classic server is the most fiscally responsible decision that they could make, but I've also been on the show before saying this, and I'm far from the only person out there saying this. It gets um, repeated around a fair bit, but I do not want them to go in that direction. I'm sort of against you on that one, Locked, but I appreciate where people are coming from when they ask for it. But the only reason that I'm against it is that I don't think they can do it because obviously they've got new people there, new design philosophies, blah, blah, blah. The analogy I've used in the past is the Simpsons. You know, the people who are behind the Simpsons now would love to think that they can recreate the old magic, but they just can't because it's not the same crew. Now, if someone from Blizzard were listening to this going, this Australian idiot doesn't know what he's talking about, of course we can do that. I would reflect back to them the following. You think you can, but you can't. And that ship has sailed. Oh, he went there. I'd actually say that the current Blizzard team... Like at least for the guys who we've seen working on Classic, actually uh, doing a wonderful job at actually trying to maintain that game that we love. Like they have shown that they understand what the community wants, that they understand what Classic WoW is, and because of that, you know, at the moment they have my trust. Like as far as Blizzard Activision goes, that. Those classic devs are by far the group I trust the most there. I absolutely agree with you. Couldn't I go an extra leg and say this much? That's like, think of it like an art restoration team. They've done an amazing job recreating this project from what we've been told. We haven't got the, the, the final product yet, so we can't really comment, but it sounds like they're heading in the right direction. But that's a small team. Are you really going to trust them to, if they were to expand and say, hey, we're making new content, they need a shit ton more staff. Are you then going to trust those people who have restored the project to actually build something new? that you would like um, well it's a question for many years from now for sure yeah, like, yeah for i mean I, being, let's enjoy right. classic. and I, yeah i mean just to kind of sum up the point i didn't mean to sidetrack here at all i guess the question or just one way to look at it is like are you okay with them if your full no changes right eventually ending up with bfa right now or like warlords you I know don't want that to happen or mm. alternatively would you rather see I mean, and I don't have a lot of knowledge of this. I just know some of it, but like, you know, the 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 2007 RuneScape route, right? Or the class, right? Like, don't they involve this, the community a lot? Like, yeah, talking about yeah, they do with polls. Someone plays old school. I mean, but I agree. I, I see what you're worried about. I just wasn't sure think, what some of the more hardcore people thought about that. I think the issue with uh, progressing past vanilla into TBC, Wrath, and, and beyond is that you sort of then run into the same issue that we were in a couple of years back where... People want to play vanilla, but they won't have the option to. Like once yeah. you've progressed it past vanilla, then you no longer have vanilla. You have mm. TBC, or you have- so uh, I don't know that it's very responsible of Blizzard to kind of progress past that. Mm. Or if they so, yeah, do, we'll- they'd have to provide at least some sort of form of like old old server or something for those people to retain access to to vanilla. Exactly. Here's a funny one that you guys might, you know, this might rile you up and get me, you know, at the subject of some pitchforks and, and torches. But think about this for a second. If they do go down the Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King route and just sort of end it after that original trilogy or what have you, that's going to be years and years down the track, right? Now, I know Blizzard have told us that, yes, they want us to be able to play Vanilla WoW in perpetuity, if you will. You know, they want us to have this, you know, 15 years down the track or what have you. But let's be honest with each other for a second. Do you think in, let's say we get Burning Crusade and Wrath, and that's where now it's 2026, right? And we've all had our fun on legacy servers for many years. 
Do you really, really believe that the complaint then is going to be, oh, I wanted vanilla? Are you still going to want to play vanilla WoW realistically in seven to eight years' time? I think, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, we eventually people, yeah, it's, it's like having old games available. People still play Zelda, people still play the original Mario. Hmm. And it's, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's not like when a new Mario gets released, the numbers or anything like that, but. People are going to always want to play these games. It's one of the unique things about MMOs is you, you know, as expansions come on and new patches, you can never go back to the old, you know, the old game. Um, but people want that. Mm. And so, I, you know, I, I agree with what Soul was saying and just that, like, I, if they're going to do it, and I totally understand and would be fine if they did a TBC, but leave vanilla, like, be like, here's vanilla. It'll always be there, locked at 112, you know, and people want to copy their characters onto a new TBC server, that's fine, but, you know, they should always have it there as an option, just sort of like an old game that you could play. Yeah, that's I think one of the most point. likely scenarios is how private servers do it now, which is, you know, we progress to next, and then a couple of months after that, a new server gets released, and it gives people the chance to do that fresh start again, which a lot of people really do love when it comes to <laughs> Vanilla Warcraft is that early period in the game where you're all leveling up, you're all gearing up, what about like seasonal vanilla servers? Is that something people have talked about at all? You know, where like you have three months or, you know, I mean, you have a release schedule, right? But in some kind of design way. A lot of people where... don't want to lose their characters though. Hmm. I just want to chime in really contentious. You uh, in from what maybe, like, you know, maybe the casual position, uh, position, like where I'm coming from, like for the people who are maybe either coming back to World of Warcraft, like myself, or uh, people who have never really played it before and this is their first time playing it. We're really excited to play vanilla. And, you know, me personally, I want to, I want to experience what I never got to back in the day and all the good end game stuff. And same with the people who are starting, you know, they've heard about all these bosses. Maybe they've read the wow stories and they want to see Ragnaros or whatever. But again, like for those of us who are only playing a couple hours a day or maybe even a couple times a week, if you've got kids or something, it's a tall order getting to end game content. So with the progress, with the progressive. Uh, release that they're talking. Let's say by the time I'm fully equipped and full Nax gear, tier three, ready to go, uh, fully everything's done in vanilla. That's like what, two, two and a half years out from now. Like realistically, if I'm, you know, even if that's uh. really me trying as well, right? So by that point, if I want to keep playing and I want more, I'm not necessarily opposed to more release anyway, because I would like to see where TBC is out. And especially now that they've updated it for the modern computer rather than me trying to track down old. Uh, CDs or playing on private servers of it. It's, you know, it's, it's a nice option. I guess when I brought this up, I see where you're coming from. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have classic later down the track. I think it's my skepticism more flows from if we go through it a second, like this is the second time, as we say, we did it 14 years ago. We're doing it again now. I guess it's the presumption that if, if in eight, nine, 10 years time, were we still wanting to be playing classic? It's on the presumption that the next big MMO never came out and that we're still sitting on this island going, yeah, we just want to keep doing this over and over again, which we may well do. And yeah, of course I'll create a character every now and again and have a bit of fun, but. And also, will the community be behind it in 10 years' time? Like, it's way too hard to project, but but who knows? So, um, guys, I might sort of change topics, and we'll get to the sort of the, the end of the call now, the, the home stretch, and just talk about this period of time that we're going through now. Blizzard is finally talking to us. Classic is right around the corner. Summer is coming. How relieved have you guys been to finally have the floodgates open with news about this project? It has been 
amazing. It's great to actually see that there is a bunch of information coming out now. Uh, honestly, we know so much more now than we did two months ago. Like we know exactly what we're getting. All we really don't have at this point is oceanic servers confirmed and a timeline of, you know, when these different phases are coming. I was fucking when? relieved when they started actually releasing stuff that they were trying to be like as authentic to the game as possible. I'm like, thank God. Mm-hmm. It was like new life was breathed into me. All, all that that period that we were talking before about the like the whole change versus no changes. I had, I felt like sometimes I felt like God. I I, I felt like just like a contentious wreck. Just like about this game that I just mm. absolutely loved that people just wanted to tear apart. Just because, yeah. like, they didn't like it. The one that really upset me was the one asking for, like, no, not even colorblind mode. And, like, that, to me, really was, like, that's a bit of a lie. Right. The the big thing that's really affected uh, me and a lot of the people I talked to is that every kind of announcement they've made recently has been really reassuring. Everything has kind of been moving in the direction I feel like that the majority of people wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like, we have all these concerns about, you know, how they're going to do things. But I feel like generally... Um, they're like building a lot of trust with this. Yeah. Right? Every announcement they make, people mm. are generally happy about it. There's some issues, but even then they are taking those issues, they're considering it, and then they're maybe changing it and getting back to us. Is everyone happy? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I'm definitely these these last few like blue posts have definitely made me feel a lot better about it. Especially mm. when they the only thing I'm still leery about is sharding. Yeah. That is enough. the main thing. Like if they do sharding for more than like a few weeks, it only in the starting zones, that that could be a fucking deal breaker. I think honest. we just need a server announcement, to be quite honest. Like sharding and what they want to do for the servers. Like we've got, we've gotten that post about them not doing RP PvP, but then sort of what does that leave us with the like RP RP uh, PvP and uh, PVE servers? Like how many of each of those are we going to get? Like I think just a nice big server post would be really appreciated by the community. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I guess, guys, we'll, we'll finish it with this one. The release date is the last huge piece of information that we're really hoping for, but we're so close now. Summer really is just around the corner. After all that we've been through, are you guys just as hyped as ever? Are you, have you grown weary, or is it only getting better, this hype train? Choo-choo! So hyped. Super <laughs> hyped. I'd love to see them release uh, – I'd love to see them release uh, – the system requirements they're going to want for the game just because i know that my computer will run classic or will run um you know like a classic servers but it doesn't run the new game very well at all that's for sure ah you know it's gonna i'm just excited for you know obviously uh at the end of game of thrones when all the characters stop fighting turn to the camera and tell us the release date because obviously (laughs) (laughs) what's gonna happen right it's gonna That's the ending, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Now, look, guys, I'll go through this all one by one, and I just want to say thank you so much for everyone getting on this call. I'll give everyone – so think of of something. I'll give you one short, sharp burst to end this call on just to tell us your thoughts of where we've been, where we are, what you think about WoW Classic at this point in time. This is the Classic community. We've had so many of you on this call, and and this is the Countdown to Classic community voicing their opinions, and I'm so thankful to have you all here. Ale, let's start with you. Real short, sharp burst, mate. How are you feeling about where we're at? It feels fantastic. This is why I've you know become more involved. Uh, why I miss the classic community so much. Just since I've came into it, being able to meet up with old friends through your show has just been fantastic. And like 
that for me is what classic really is, is the community. And I'm, I'm so happy. Hmm. Bat Lord, how about you? 100% on board with Ale. Uh, the thing I love about this Discord is it reminds me of what it was like to play back in the day, back when the community was tight knit. It mattered, you know, the people on your server. Like, I feel like the Countdown to Classic community is our own server, you know? Like, it's great. And I'm just, I'm so excited. I can't wait to be playing. Mike? Oh, it has been a fucking emotional roller coaster. But I am ready to fucking go. The hype train is there. I'm ready to stir the pot. <laughs> Very good. Jacarvi? Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, this place feels like a true family and I, I genuinely love this family. Um, I'm very excited to play with all these people in World of Warcraft. Um, for those of you listening to this episode right now and, you know, are humming and hawing about it, definitely, uh, consider joining the Discord and consider playing with us online. We're a great group of people and, um, we're looking forward to having some Avengers. I appreciate that, mate. Locks. Uh, sadly, won't be able to play with everyone here because you guys are all going to be rolling on the wrong servers over in LA. <laughs> I, I look forward to ganking uh, everyone that I do come across as a hunter. And remember, guys, it is a hunter weapon. <laughs> Sorry, Jacoby, you said something. You're coming through a little low. What, what did oh, you I have to say to Locke? It's the right side up servers rather than the wrong servers. That's right, the right <laughs> side up, where the toilets flush the right way. Um, Solveig, mate, how about you? How are you feeling about where we're at? Yeah, look, I'm I'm pretty stoked. I'm I'm glad to see that the hype train is in full effect, and I'm I'm glad to see the community coming together. Um, can't wait to get on, and I'm looking forward to getting some friends in who haven't actually played classic before. So that'll be absolutely. And finally, Tim, old friend, how you, what do you got to say, mate? I mean, I'm crazy excited, and most importantly, I want to give like a lot of thanks to you, um, Josh. You have done an incredible job, not just with the podcast, but creating this community that is, I mean, you heard everybody else say it. It's awesome. It's like a family. It is, everybody in here is great. It's so inclusive and so kind and so welcoming to every play style and every person. And uh, it's, there's no toxicity here. Even Mike isn't that toxic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's just... <laughs> but it, it really is something oh, else. Um, oh, so. my, my heart, my heart, my heart's growing right now. God, I think I think I'm going to shit. I thought I'm going to shit a tear right now. Oh, look, I swear we'll, to God. we'll bring it in for a hug, guys. Let me just say and take this opportunity oh. to say I, I appreciate the very kind words, and and I'm not trying to deflect or anything, but I, I really want to stress this that. The reason the community is the way it is is because of you guys. The reason the show is the way it is is because of you guys. Everything is nothing without your input. And um, I have been absolutely touched and humbled by these amazing people such as yourself. As you say, there's no toxicity. These intelligent, kind, wonderful people who continue to put their hands up to get involved with the show and the Discord and make it such an amazing place to be. We are the classic community. We are the Countdown to Classic community, and I just want to say thank you for making it one of the more special experiences of my life, and I can't wait to keep going with you all, and uh, I hope to see you all around the Discord soon. And hopefully we have episode uh, 200 uh, long after Classic comes. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. 
Just before we get to the Kevin Jordan call, everyone, I just want to remind you to please go and support Kevin over at Twitch. You can find him streaming five days a week over there under the name Kevin Jordan. So it's very easy to find him. Please drop in and say Countdown sent you. He's very, very entertaining. He loves to have a chat about World of Warcraft as well, even if he's streaming other games. So feel free to go and say hello and support him there. He'd love to see you. But now let's hear from Kevin again. He's been such a friend of the show through this series. And today he's going to be talking to us about Paladins. Here we go. All right, it's time for another Countdown to Classic call and another Countdown to Classic Kevin Jordan special. Kevin, you're back once again for this sort of thrilling series that has the listeners on the edge of their seats. I've been getting a lot of responses about this one. Um, people saying that they're absolutely loving having you on the show. So I really should, uh, I should have forwarded a lot of this, uh, fan mail on to you and, and, uh, you know, sort of let you know how much people have appreciated everything you've had to say. How are you, mate? Doing great. Uh, that's yeah. That's great feedback. I'm really happy to hear it. I mean, it's been really fun to take this trip down memory lane, and obviously, with classic coming, it's fresh in everyone's minds. So, yeah, it's coming together to be an exciting summer. I'm happy to build on that excitement. I'm so glad you've been having having a good time. It would kill me if you were sort of dreading these calls. So that's a good start. And we've got joining us for this call about paladins. Uh, obviously, the show's resident paladin expert, Thaloris. How are you, mate? Very good, very good. Thank you again for having me, Josh, and hello to Kevin. I uh, have gone on your uh, Twitch stream a few times. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but I'm the guy who was always pestering you with questions. Yeah, very nice. I do remember. <laughs> good to see you again. All right, guys, let's get this party started. Now, Kevin, you know the drill by now. I'll start pretty general, and then we'll get a bit more niche as we go on. Thaloris has got his handful of questions packed up and ready to go, and he'll jump in whenever he hears something interesting that you say. But this is a class that I repeat this frequently on the show. I feel like we always talk about paladins, yet it's not the most played class generally stats-wise from what we see when people take polls. But, you know, paladins are the talk of the town. And we'll get to some of the more controversial issues about issues about them soon. But just in general, were you happy with where the Paladin was overall in vanilla? Uh, you know, there's very few classes that I didn't consider to be a pretty big success. Um, some were just kind of okay, but I actually consider the Paladin to be one that failed to live up to the the dream, uh, the class fantasy, probably the worst. So in terms of, I, I wouldn't say it was a failure by any means, but uh, he definitely struggled. He struggled with class fantasy. He struggled with being pigeonholed in, you know, bigger group scenarios. But I will say that the, the lower number thing you can expect, uh, certainly in vanilla, because, and this was probably harder data to read, but the shaman and the paladin only being available to one side was automatically going to cut down on the number of you know, people playing those. So mm. take that with a grain of salt. Well, one question I've got straight off the bat from hearing what you've just said there is you said on an earlier installment of this segment, um, it might have been the Druid one last, I don't know, I think it was the um, the uh, Mage one two weeks ago where you said, you know, 
you love all of your children equally. And a yeah. lot of paladins might feel that, well, hey, man, where was that equal love? So at what right. stage did you start to realize something might be amiss with paladins? And what was the general chatter around the office about what could be done? Uh, it was it was before release. I knew there were going to be issues. Um, we we didn't have enough time to polish his uh, sealed judgment system, so it went out a little bit wonky. That was one of the last systems I worked on, and just yet yeah, didn't have enough iteration time. And it, it also informed my decision of which uh, class to play in once the servers went live. My main character throughout was a Redditon, essentially, a uh, human Redditon. So I played that mainly, and then on the Horde side, I played an Undead Mage. And that was more, you know, for fun, because the Mage was doing pretty well. But I took it I took it as something I had to do to play the Redditon to really get in and understand what was going on with it, to try to live in the shoes of the players that were suffering, trying to, you know, make that class fantasy come true. So... I did love all my children and the, and the paladin, specifically the Redden, was the problem child, essentially. <laughs> well, I mean, well, it, yeah, go for it, Dolores. If, if, if I may, what did you think of the uh, players, the paladin players who, who were on the open beta and they had Crusader Strike, they had Holy Strike, and then as you just said, you didn't have enough time to flush out the seal and judgment system. And right. all of a sudden, live, like basically, I myself didn't play on the beta. And I didn't, I didn't start playing until several months after launch. So I only okay. knew the seal and judgment system. Actually, right, let me rephrase right. that. I didn't even know what the hell a judgment was until I was right. level 50. I had no idea. That, that's a true story. That's how much of a noob I was. But right. one of the constant gripes that players had all over the forums is, give us back Crusader Strike, give us back yeah, Holy yeah. Strike. And so that leads me to my first question. What, like, why was adding strikes such an uphill battle um, for you? Uh, like, like w w did you want it in, or did you get pushback from the other devs? Like, what? Because I remember when at TBC beta first started, we didn't have Crusader Strike as the forty-one point talent. It was the uh, improved. It was the three percent crit buff to Judgment right. of the Crusader. Right. Why was that such a, an uphill battle for you? To, to push through uh so the the early the early beta incarnation of the paladin was very much placeholder a lot of okay. the early classes sort of before they hit you know final testing were had a lot of placeholder abilities well he needs buttons to push while he's running around but we're not quite ready with their full systems so right. a lot of people just had buttons to push right and that's exactly what those abilities were and once the seal and judgment system came to light, we wanted that entire system to be sort of all inclusive. And the previous strikes that weren't connected to that system no longer fit within that mold. So they would have felt really odd, you know, next to all the other abilities. Right. Um, so that's why they were removed. But yeah, people missed them. And I, I was okay with it because it was beta. But now, keep in mind, it was also in the in the original manual as well, because yeah. that that was based on the beta. So that's why people right. were so confused. Even if they didn't play on the beta, they got right. the game. And they're like, well, "Where are my strikes?" 
Yeah, that was really bad because Brady Games built their entire strategy guide around exactly information because they had to get it printed and get it on shelves before the game went live. So right. by the time the, the, manu- you know, the manual, <laughs> the Brady Games strategy guide came out, uh, it was horribly outdated. So can I can I just touch on that? Did you ever have at any point consideration of a live version with seals, judgments, and a potential strike all in the same package for vanilla? Uh, no. Once we moved into the seal judgment system, everything had to work within that that little okay. engine. It was one of those systems that we thought I thought was pretty good, but it it definitely had some issues. So didn't have enough time to tweak it and iterate on it and really like perfect. Kevin, hearing what Thaloris just said, and, and I've got no doubt Thaloris has got a bunch of very, very technical questions for you. He does a lot of work over there with the theory crafters on Paladins, but we're going to be touching on all the trees here and, and perhaps, look, I'll, I'll save the best for last. Let's deal with the Ret Paladins last because that's going to be some really, really juicy stuff. Let's kind of whiz through, if you will, not, not, go too quickly but let's talk about prot and holy but i just think that these two probably won't have as much to say about red but if i can jump in for the prot paladins we've talked about this before and you've said that look if you had it your way the plan was to make every spec in the game playable in end game um tell me what let you down obviously with prots you know the lack of taunt that came in burning crusade what We've we've asked before, we'll hammer it home again. How close did you guys get to actually pulling the trigger on Taunt for Prot Paladins in Vanilla? Uh, how close did we get? Not very close. I, that was one of the things that I was pretty stubborn about, um, holding out until I was able to put in the, the specific, unique gameplay design for each class and spec I wanted and to make sure they were different. I definitely knew... And this was an experience I learned with Crusader Strike. Once you pull something away, people get really unhappy, even if you know you're trying to do something different with the design. So it was okay in beta. I felt it was not okay in vanilla to give them a taunt that was just like the warriors um, in while they were waiting for their actual taunt, because that wouldn't have been something that went over well. So I held out on them, essentially, much to you know Prop Paladins disappointment but uh, i really wanted to get them in a different style of taunting and also just to just to talk about tanks in general it was definitely a new experience learning how people were aggroing things and how people were managing threat and taunting because there were some key differences from other games that in the way that people were playing world of warcraft in a lot of other games like everquest was the big example um, the warriors would, or the tanks would not be the ones that pulled. They didn't have good, you know, movement mechanics. They didn't have, um, a lot of threat management after the fight started. And so, uh, it was better for like feigned death classes and things like that to do the pulling that usually had some movement power. So we were also just trying to figure out how this new system people were using was going to work so that we could feed in different types of gameplay experiences across the tanks to make them, you know, viable. Okay. Now, we were talking a bit on the Discord recently about, you know, sort of homogenization in a way or making 
everyone able to do everything and, and what you guys were intending to do. And, and I sort of did have that comment high in my mind that you mentioned saying, look, we wish that all specs could have been, you know, viable in end game. Um, or, you know, really just in every part of the game, whether it's PVP or PVE, you could basically right. pop on a spec and you'd be good to go. Um, now keeping that in mind, was there actually, if you could go back and do it now, would you want these prot paladins to be just as viable of a choice as a prot warrior in that you would have no drama swapping out the prot warrior for the prot paladin? Or is that desire to sort of, you know, it, it actually turned out being kind of cool that they were unique and niche in a way, even if they didn't have taunt, they had, you know, some other abilities that made them cool in five mans. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the ideal design that we that we strive for and I would still strive for today is that across the entire landscape of, you know, tankable fights across raids, dungeons, you know, etc. um, anything else you're group fighting, world bosses, things like that, that, you know, you add up all the places where all, all the different tanks were, were desirable and that the numbers would come out pretty equivalent for different reasons. Uh, so they would each have their own unique mechanics. And then, you know, at the end of the day, this was tankable by all three, but more desired, you know, it was more desirable that you have this one particular type. Hmm. Now, I'll just ask a quick listener question. I, I've basically let people submit questions over the last week and they've sent a shitload in for a bunch of different classes now here's one of the paladin ones and this is from um Voc- uh, sorry rockmaster volrat who says this since the prot tree is supposed to be a tanking tree and now i've already answered part of this question because he says why didn't paladins get any form of taunt we've kind of addressed that but he also says mm-hmm. why didn't paladins get any kind of mana regen before burning crusade Oh yeah. Well, a lot of systems did, or a lot of the classes didn't have their full mana systems uh, working perfectly. And basically, a mana system like mana bars by themselves aren't very good mechanics. I think they're really dated, and they don't lead to a fun gameplay experience. But once you add abilities that help you regenerate, and you put in various mechanics under which you know your mana bar sometimes gets depleted quickly and then other times where it gets uh, increased, I think you can create a fun system that has a lot of play in it, but um, not all of, yeah, not all the classes, obviously there's, you know, we talked about the Druids and uh, the Umkin, uh, but a lot of classes didn't have fully featured systems that uh, allowed for good gameplay and for long-term sustainability. Okay. Thaloris, have you got anything quickly on Prod? Well, uh, if I can just touch off on what you guys are just going off on, it, it kind of flows into Burning Crusade, though. Um, Seal of Blood. Mm-hmm. Why was that horde only for the entirety of Burning Crusade when it was such a huge DPS increase? And because because of um, the self-damage, all a healer had to do was keep a hot on the Blood Elf Paladin, and they would regen mana. Right. That, that was a, just a tuning issue. It was extremely thematic that the Blood Elf Paladins, who were, you know, not a struggle thematically, but very different thematically, have something sure. unique that fit in with their kit. But those types of mechanics are 
historically very difficult to balance because you either care about the health a lot and you can't use it or you don't care about it at all and it's just a giant buff and so those are typically the two scenarios there's very little like you know scenarios where it's like oh this is a really tight decision um it usually falls into one of those two categories so and how you tune it is based on the you know frequency of those two possible scenarios and so they're very difficult to tune and we just flat out didn't get the tuning right so uh you're right that seal of blood just outperformed in a lot of situations that made it you know one of those things that was highly desired on the other side but it just didn't fit thematically on the other side what about seal twisting with seal twisting when seal of command received its 0.5 second delay in patch 1.11 it was it was there the whole time but it wasn't actually discovered until mid burning crusade now one of the dying questions i wanted to know is whether seal twisting was okay from your point of view and if so was it possible during vanilla by twisting seal of righteousness in with seal of command it would have never been Okay. And I, I use that from an idealist standpoint. Like if, if I could have made everything perfectly, twisting would not have been an element on the palette with his auras or his seals. However, once we discovered there was some possibility, then the context becomes really important on well, how are paladins doing right now? Are they relying on that to get to the places they need to be? Is nerfing it without any other, you know, replacement? going to just send them back into being uninvited to everything. So, you know, there's a difference between like me being able to create the ideal I want and also managing, you know, the current situation of the paladin. So yeah, in terms of ideal, ideal, no, that would not have been something I wanted in the game. Okay. Now, guys, what we might do is we move on to the Holy Tree and, you know, one that people obviously were pretty damn happy with in the game. I don't see too many complaints at all coming in for Holy Paladins. You know, people often say, best single tar- target healer in the game. They're great. They get all that uh, mana obviously uh, ch- well, charged back to them or afforded back to them with the, the crits and whatnot. So it's uh, something that I think there's not a lot of flame and fury about. Kevin, do you pat yourself on the back? Job well done with the Holy Paladins. I have a complaint about the Holy Paladins. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I want to play a Redden, and I can't because everyone's making me play a Holy Paladin. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and heal, noob. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the problem with Holy Paladins wasn't that they were super effective because they were super effective. That actually created a situation where when we looked across you know, all nine classes. And we tried to figure out in the patch cycle that was going to come up where we were going to do the big reviews, who are we going to hit first? Who's struggling the most? The Paladin got pushed back a little bit because the Paladin class was getting invited. He was he was present in every aspect of the game uh, for one reason or another. And so he was doing great in terms of the class itself. The individual specs were doing really poorly, but... Uh, it was more important to us to make sure that each class was getting its day rather than each spec. So that was sort of a dual problem with Holy being so good or Holy performing so well. And then the other um, the other aspect of Holy was that it wasn't really 
thematically appropriate for the paladin to be way in the back with, you know, plate mail and, you know, throwing eels. So that, that also didn't live up to the class fantasy. I know when people talk about class fantasy and the paladin, it's almost always about Redditon, but the Holy Tree also didn't, in my mind, live up to the class fantasy. I would much rather have him in the mix, swinging the hammer, you know, that kind of thing, and then also healing through that, you know, battle mechanic, essentially. The way Divine Storm ended up being. Right. More more things like that. So, Kevin, I've got a question that somewhat relates back to Holy in that, you know, we've got Kev Tank in the chat who's been giving you a bit of tongue-in-cheek stick over the last few days about one of the comments you made uh, recently with regards to how you wanted classes basically to fit a certain thematic. You know, you wanted mm-hmm. that class fantasy was almost sort of first and foremost in your mind when you were designing abilities right. and talents. Now, he hasn't slept a wink since you've said that. It has been eating, <laughs> eating away at him. But he raises up a decent question here because he says, like, you know, again, he's sort of of, um, again, tongue-in-cheek going, I've got a complaint about Holy Paladins. They're not thematic enough. And I guess the jibe right. there would be, yeah, when we think of Paladins, we don't think of the theme being standing in the back as a, cl- as a dress-wearing healer. Did you right. guys, like, when you were designing the Holy Tree, obviously must have anticipated that, you know, the Paladin could take up this option and just be a healer. Did that feel right, thematic right. in any way? Well, one of the reasons that he had such an efficient and fast heal was because we wanted to free him up for combat. We needed to free his mana bar and his time up for combat, which ended up just, you know, again, pigeonholing him into, well, you're the best, most efficient single target healer, right? So, you know, best of intentions, but we didn't actually play it out well enough in our testing and, and just in our minds, in our you know mock-ups on how this was going to perform to really see how people were going to min-max the one aspect of it. So, and that became a game-wide problem. Priests have this problem with Shadow Word Pain. It's like, oh, you can't spend that mana on Shadow Word Pain. You got to save every drop of mana for healing, every global for healing. So one of the otherwise interesting ways that paladins do have a way to heal is the tier one lawbringer eight out of eight uh, set bonus which is the Mm -hmm. aoe group heal now one of the things that we've been trying to figure out is what what was what was the proc rate at because originally it was raid wide then it was it was nerfed to group wide and then i think the range and the proc rate was uh was upgraded in order to balance it now do you remember roughly where you kind of wanted that proc rate to be? Because, for example, it is incredibly effective in Nax Ramus on Thaddeus and Lotheb, where a paladin can keep their entire group up and swing Nightfall, provide you know group AOE heals, raid wide DPS increase with the Nightfall, and it's like it's like extremely efficient. What are your thoughts on that set bonus? Uh, well, as you mentioned earlier with Divine Storm, like you can see how later on we were adding right. abilities and things you could get within the game to correct some of these issues with how the Paladin was playing. And, you know, depending on when those things came out, you asked what the proc rate was. I'm not sure. It could have been before we had a way of doing procs per minute or after, uh, which would have changed how a lot of things worked. But right. Yeah, in general, not only were the item guys trying to find cool things, cool mechanics, 
to run by me on, you know, what the class would want uh, in, to make each you know, set desirable. But we are also taking the opportunity to sort of get into the game, class changing mechanics that Paladins could get or whatever classes could get to uh, meet the needs that they were they had right then that were pressing for the content they were trying to do. So uh, some of that was intentional, you know, in that old school, you know, game design way. You get the fire, you know, fire protection potion right before you fight the fire guy, you know. Right. And one of the other pushbacks that, that I and other paladins have is, is for example, let, let, let's focus on, 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 on Lawbringer again, the, the re-itemization of the stats on it. Cause originally it was quite good for Prot and Rhett. And then mm-hmm. I think it was patch 1.5 or 1.6. It changed to when you added plus healing to it. Problem with that stat re-itemization is if it was, you know, because at that point, the game for, for Holy Paladins was gearing more towards, hey, you're just going to stand in the back and spam Flash of Light. Right. The itemization that it was changed to was actually worse for Holy as opposed to Dungeon 5-Man Blues with just straight healing, spell crit, what have you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a missed opportunity? And if you had to do it over again, would you go back to the original itemization of strength agility crit and hit for example for tier one yeah those are more item design questions which wasn't wasn't oh, okay but Sorry. i can uh, no no problem i can explain why some of those decisions might have been made okay uh, it could have it could have been that one element was too strong uh so it needed to be we needed to take that power and shift it to somewhere else uh different types of heels for example um, it could have been that the gameplay that create was created because you know one element was being stressed with boring. So you know again, flash of light spam versus like occasionally holy light or other types of healing. So it could have been changed to try to make the gameplay a little more diverse. It also could right. have been changed to make different attributes attractive for different reasons to give them a little bit more balance in terms of what people were hunting down. So there wasn't just the one way to build, there were multiple ways to build. So uh, those would have been the goals. But again, the context super important, right? And how they would have gone about trying to achieve those goals. All right, Kevin, I'll jump in at this point and we better get to the meaty part of the chat because uh, we'll run out of time otherwise. But let's start talking Red Paladins. And this is probably the one that everyone's been waiting for. Thaloris, right. I'm sure you've got a couple of... Uh, <laughs> I should have warned you, sorry, Kevin. Thaloris, as I said, he's he, he knows his stuff and he, he he's got yeah, some very intensive great. questions. Well, like I said, I invaded his Twitch stream a few times and I pestered him with some questions while he was playing another game. <laughs> so <laughs> so f- full disclosure, Full disclosure. Well, I'll start you out, and then, Thoris, you can obviously have a back and forth with Kevin about this one with Rets because you guys you know, know a lot more about it, obviously, than I do. But, Kevin, the really interesting thing for me is you say that you played a Rhett. You love Rhett's. You had your uh, your Paladin. You had your Mage. Those were the two classes that you spent a boatload of time with, obviously, amongst the others, because you were designing them all. But these were your two great loves. So right. knowing that you were playing a Rhett Paladin and knowing that that has turned into to perhaps the most complained about spec in the game. People might be mm-hmm. saying to you, Kevin, what the hell? It's like Ed 2 Brute. You stabbed me in the back. Right. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It, it gave me a lot of insight on, 
you know, because people have been talking about viable versus um, optimal. Optimal. And, you know, obviously that's a big, big discussion point. So it gave me a lot of insight playing a Reddit in on the difference between those things and the, the perception and how, how crazy perception gets about those things. Because I, um, you know, I didn't rate at the highest levels, but I did all the dungeons uh, for the most part. Yeah, I can't think of a vanilla dungeon I didn't do. And it was as Rhett. So, and, and I was never shamed or shunned or anything like that. And nobody knew who I was or anything like that. I was just one of the guys, you know, hanging out. And uh, there were so many situations in which I could be successful. And as the Reddit in, without, again, until, you know, high-end competitive scenes. And so, yeah, it gave me a lot of insight into player perception on how quickly it changes once it gets to the competitive levels, right? But I I was playing from a standpoint of the solo guy, the guy trying to make social connections to see how good the game was at creating those environments, uh, how successful each group could be in terms of, or each class and spec could be in terms of fun and making sure that the game was healthy in all of those different areas. And I felt like it was pretty healthy. And the difference between what people want to accomplish at the high end and how much they talk about things on the forums versus like what everyone else is doing in the game was is pretty pronounced, right? Because most of the people aren't talking on the forums. They're just running around having a good time. And, you know, obviously the loudest people are the most hardcore people that are trying to, you know, progression rate through the game where specs like the Redditon don't, you know, get invited as frequently. So I'm really curious. I know the the stigmas will come back in classic where people will be very aware of them, especially amongst all the private server people that have been playing those the private servers for a lot. But I'm really curious about the crowd that come in sort of fresh and aren't super aware of all of that stuff mm-hmm. and how how that manifests. Uh, they're untainted by all the uh, previous knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, a fresh, will they come to the same conclusions? Will they they come to different conclusions? You know, like what will be... What will be the new stigma, essentially? One of the interesting things I, I remember from a former prot paladin who tried to fight the good fight is he's like, dude, on retail, I was the main tank for my guild. Right. Can't do it here. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just can't do it. Druid tanks, you know, paladin tanks. Like a lot of people did a lot of things outside of, you know, the hyper competitive. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how people, you know, muddle their way through this stuff in classic again. For sure. You know, right. From that next generation standpoint. Definitely. Thaloris, look, mate, oh, you've got a couple of minutes here. Think of your top one or two rec questions. You've got Kevin here. You've got a captive audience. Go for it. Okay. Um, as, as a shout out to Exodia and Despotus, one of the interesting things that we've discovered is spell damage stacking and Melly Haste and Seal of Righteousness along with procs, procs, procs. We're getting like 16 to 1700 DPS. And the item or the weapon that comes out as best in slot forever is Manual Crowd Pummeler from Nomergon. Do you remember that weapon? Your old friend that we brought up the other week, Kevin, with Caladrill, uh, where we talked about it with Druids. It has that. It has three, three charges that it, it so its base swing attack speed is 
and it has three charges that last 30 seconds each that increase your attack speed by 50%. So it gets it down to 1.33. And then if you add the Blackwing Lair Paladin Trinket, which increases your melee attack speed by another 25%. Like it gets stupid high. And then you use Seal of Righteousness and you use Shadow Oil and you have life stealing and you have proc items like the red whelp gloves um you have or uh you know like proc trinkets so yeah. did you yeah it's like super super fast were you aware of that being an alternative dps style or was seal of command ret noob slow two hand weapon that was what you des- were looking at okay so this is this is a great question and it speaks some, some to the psychology of the player. Most players that are attracted to two-handed weapons in terms of their style love two-handed weapons because of the giant crits they get to see, right? That mm-hmm. massive burst damage when they swing that thing. But And so that that's what they're looking for. And so, you know, swinging fast for reliable damage is not exciting, right? Um, until you look at somebody who's trying to do the most damage mathematically, you know, over a, a five or eight minute fight, then that gets really excited for some people. But, uh, you know, to be, to be honest, like I was so sensitive about the difference between righteousness and command that right. I had our technical designer run the numbers on those two things. It must've been once a month. Like <laughs> Are you serious? I, was, I was all over the guy, you know, like, because there was so much debate on, you know, and usually right. it fell in with Seal of Command. And, but the design intent was always Seal of Command is great for short fights and for PvP or bursts is really good. And Righteousness is better for long-term fights. And so once you got into a situation where you were banging on a boss for more than a couple minutes, Righteousness should take over. And so I'm not surprised at all to hear that people found ways of leveraging the advantages of Righteousness with the right setup so that it became much better uh, because we were always pushing righteousness a little bit here and there, trying to get it to get back into people's minds as like a competitive DPS source, right? The excitement again was so much on the command side that people didn't want to even believe it. Do you remember like, cause one of the things that we looked at that was part of the Paladin revamp in 1.9 was making seal and judgment of righteousness able to trigger procs and then that was removed in 2.1 when you nerfed seal of blood now do you concretely remember if for sure 100 percent seal of righteousness was able to trigger procs like life stealing like shadow oil and other types of procs Uh, i don't um if i repressed to guess and obviously reasonably educated guests. Um, they were built differently, the two mm-hmm. seals. And internally, the way the code worked, they were built differently. Right. And the seal of command proc was considered a different attack, See, where a seal of righteousness was just adding damage mm-hmm. to the original attack because of the way the command worked. So it's very likely that because of the code behind them was different, you know, the things that happened based on those differences were, were also different. Okay. Dolores, have you got one last ret question for him? Well, I just wanted to, this is one of the questions I kind of, I threw at him on, on his Twitch is if, if you can illustrate for, for the listeners, the 
fire proc items that uh, fiery retributor that was available from the demon boss in Zulgarub, the fiery plate gauntlets and the blaze free medallion that dropped off a of Kazakh. Those are all items that have an equip bonus that add fire damage to your melee attacks. Right. Do you, and this has been basically, I wrote a bug report back on a private server and it kind of broke the server because it led to the rise of fire rogues. And my quick question is, do you remember if those procs scaled with spell damage? Because then it would their instant cast spells, they would scale at the standard 43% of spell damage right. on your gear. Um, probably not, or at least that was the intent, is that they not scale with spell damage because okay. there were too many variables within who was going to use them what class they were, what you know, access to gear and spell, you know, spell damage that they had through talents and other means to know or to basically come up with a a scaling modifier that was one size fits all. So a lot of those modifiers or spell damage scalers were turned off on item procs, but that's not to say that there weren't a couple of bugs in vanilla where that data was missed, you know, or wasn't actually zeroed out correctly. So Early on, a lot of them did have, like back in beta, a lot of them did have spell scaling because we probably thought, oh, this is going to be super cool for people to build up spell damage and go to town with one of these fire axes or whatever. Because they're equip bonuses, if a rogue or another dual wielder uses the sword, it's it, it gets added to both main hand and offhand. So yeah. rogues were one-shotting in Warsong Tier 3 warriors. <laughs> yeah, It was just stupid. Dual wielding was always... Uh, really tricky to balance because of issues right. like that. Mm. All right, guys, I might jump cool. in and we'll we'll try and uh, sort of wind this one down. Like I know, uh, Kevin, if I left the Loris in the room with you, you wouldn't get out for another four and a half hours. So <laughs> I'll try. No, it. I'd take him out for beers. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kevin, just a couple of quick questions that you know I love to ask before we wind up. Real quick, yeah. can you think of anything that hit the cutting room floor for Paladins? Um, obviously, we pulled quite a few things. So if you consider like Crusader Strikes an obvious one, that one hit the cutting room floor until later. Mm. And Holy Strike. But yeah, that's about it. That okay. No worries. And as always, if you could go into the Blizzard office back in time the day before re- release, I know we're talking hypothetically because the game turned out so well and you wouldn't change anything, but if you had to change right. or could change something with Paladins, would it be that ret DPS? What would it be? It would have to be class fantasy. Like putting in more things to Get the holy paladin in melee, uh, get the reddit performing and get the product, you know, prop paladin more versatile in terms of tanking. All right. Just now, leave reckoning at unlimited charges. Everyone's yeah, happy. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sit down to collect them and off you go. Very good. All right. One last question from the listeners, uh, Kevin, and this one is a bit general, but it ties into something we've discussed before. So, uh, I've got. Okay, here we go. Adventurium asks the following. I'd love to have you ask Kevin about the difference between Paladin and Shaman. What did he think turned out more how he wanted it to be in vanilla? And how did those two classes shape their respective factions? Uh, I was I was pretty happy with... That's a great question. I, I was pretty happy they were distinct while still offering essentially the same types of buffs. The auras versus totems, you know, one was centered around the character, the other was centered around where they placed the totem. So 
different kinds of positioning requirements. So they play differently, but ultimately, a lot of the things that the classes offered were comparable. Um, obviously, the things that weren't comparable were the things that stand out in most of our minds and were so hotly debated. But um, in terms of their play style, I thought it was great. And how they de- how it defined their factions, uh, that's a great question, too. The, uh, the thing I like about the shaman is it was just so perfect for the horde. They were more offensive in terms of like that, that old bloodlust issue with the horde and just being like aggressive and uh, being more attacking minded and the alliance being more defensive minded. So I thought that those played in really well with uh, everything going on with the factions. All good, mate. All good. Look, guys, we'll wrap up the Paladin call there. Uh, Thaloris, I'll start with you, mate. Thanks so much for jumping and answering the call on this one. Obviously, you had some pretty technical questions there, but Kevin did really well. But thanks for asking yeah. those questions. Thank, thanks, Josh. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate it, my yeah, friend. Thanks. Cheers. And, and Kevin, thanks so much as always, mate. I really appreciate it. It's been fantastic. My pleasure. Thank you, Josh. Hi, everyone. Josh here. I just want to take a quick moment to remind you that while Countdown to Classic will always be a podcast you can get for free, if you do happen to really enjoy the show and find yourself always coming back for more, then please do check out the show's Patreon page to see how you can help keep the lights on at Countdown to Classic and even vote on show content as the show continues to bring you more and more Classic WoW goodness. Alternatively, if monthly subscriptions aren't your thing, you can always visit the show's tip jar over at Ko-Fi, with that link being in the show notes and on the website too. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, it's time for a Countdown to Classic 100th episode special. Now, a lot of you have been asking, Josh, 100 episodes, that's fantastic. What have you got planned for us? Surely you're doing something special. And I thought I'd have a bit of fun, get a bit tongue-in-cheek, and bring you this very special call with four amazing listeners on the line. What is the purpose of this call? Well, some of you hanging out in the Discord may have seen that I have been in two minds about what region I'm going to play WoW Classic on when the game releases. This has been a really, really tough decision. Now, as I was explaining to these guys just before, it seemed like a foregone conclusion. Hey, I'm an Australian. There are probably going to be Oceanic servers. Of course, I'll play on those. But in the last month, I've really come back and second-guessed that decision, and it's actually turned into much more of a 50-50 choice than I'd previously realized, because there are pros and cons to both choices here. Now, if I play on Oceanic servers, great, low ping, easy raid times, it all lines up, I can make friends that I could potentially meet up with in real life, that's fantastic. However... With the North American servers, as the show has blown up in popularity, I've made a lot of friends with some North Americans. I'd like to play with a lot of these North American friends that I've made. And people say, that's what WoW's all about, Josh. It's community. It's playing with mates. That's what you do. And not to say I haven't made mates on the Oceanic servers, but I've probably made a few more in North America. Now, it's a tough choice. So what do I do to balance these two things? How do I make this decision? Well... 
We're having a bit of fun here on Countdown to Classic. Now, some of you may be familiar with an old TV show called The Dating Game, where you had a bachelor or a bachelorette placed behind the wall, and they would throw questions, some cheeky questions, to three potential suitors. That's exactly what we're doing here today, but we're doing it with four. We've got two great Oceanic listeners, two great North American listeners. They will represent their regions and try to woo me with some fun answers to some tongue-in-cheek questions that I've got. So let's get to the introductions, everyone. Let's start with North America. And speaking of North, North, how are you, mate? How's things? I'm doing great, man. Glad to be back. It's good to have you, man. This is uh, going to be a bit of fun. And joining him, we've got a uh, resident of the Countdown to Classic stream. I feel like we've met, even though we haven't talked uh, in person before. Bat Lord, how are you, mate? Good. It's good to be here, Josh. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you. Thanks for jumping in when uh, when I was looking for someone. I do appreciate that. And over on the other side, the uh, the competition, if you will. The rowdy Australians. Let's start with Locke. How are you, mate? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back so soon. You were just on last week and now you're back again. Amazing. <laughs> and joining him, the one, the only, return caller, Anty. How are you, mate? Okay, man. How's it going? Good, good. Now, look, guys. I've got some questions for you. Let, we're going to do the uh, the theatre of the minds. Let's imagine that wall is up. Imagine you've never seen me before. I am a mysterious uh, a mysterious um, partner that you are hoping to woo to your server. You're like, come play with us, man. We're the best. But let's see how you guys go in wooing me to your server. So let's go through everyone's questions with question – sorry, everyone's answers with question number one. And that is as follows. And I'll ask this to you, North, to kick off. Bachelor number one. To get to know each other as adventurers, where would you take me on our first date? Uh, I mean, adventure. Well, of course, on Goro Crater. There's scenic volcano views to die for. There's dinos to farm. And plenty of level 48s to grind for phase two of Classic. I, I do like that. It, it sounds like a very picturesque place. Um, sort of the tour of Jurassic Park, if you will. That sounds kind of appealing. All right. Well, let's see what the Aussies have for me. And I'll, I'll turn to you, Auntie, and I'll ask you the same question. Where would you take me on our first adventure? Locke. <laughs> I prepared the answer for this one. Okay, Locke, you jump in then, mate. Uh, obviously, I'll take you to the most romantic place in the entire world of Warcraft, Josh. Black Rock, Black Rock Mountain. Place more romantic. We can stroll along the lava hand in hand. We can sit beside the piles of ashes. We stare into each other's eyes. And finally, and most importantly, we can lay amongst the corpses of those who we ganked earlier as we stare up into the volcanic sky. Now, Locke, I'll press you a little bit here with a follow-up. Is it fair to say that things get a little hot in Black Rock Mountain? I think a little is an understatement, Josh. <laughs> it's very hot in Black Rock <laughs> Excellent. All right, Bat Lord, now it's your turn to return serve. Where would you take me on our first adventure? Well, Josh, I know you're a huge fan of the Undercity, so obviously I would take you down to the beautiful halls of the Undercity where the slime runs like champagne. There's no shortage of loose swinging body parts, dim and sexy lighting, and, of course, cannibalism. 
So strap yourself in for a good time. I love it because as you guys might know, I'm very much so planning on rolling in Undead. So maybe it's like uh, Dorothy clicking her heels together and saying there's no place like home because the Undercity is very cozy. I like that. I like that. Very good. The North Americans coming out swinging, although I did like that Black Rock Mountain one. Now, Auntie, you tried to shirk this one, but if I had to press you... Off the top of your head, can you save Australia here? Where would you take me on our first adventure? Well, I'd definitely take it to Red Ridge Mount. It's the first contested zone. You're just contesting my heart. <laughs> very good. Very good. An interesting opening from both sides. Thanks, gents. Well, good to see that you're getting into the swing of things. Now, let's start with question number two, and I'll begin with the Aussies. And, Locke, I'll start with you on this one, considering you just ended the last one. How about this? If you were questing with me, what would you do to spice up that questing relationship? Uh, well, I thought about this one, and I decided that by far the easiest way to you know spice this up was I would actually become a quest giver, and I would give you the most epic of quests. Escort me to Mount Hyjal. Obviously, that's not going to be an easy task, and it'll mean you'll have to spend an exceptionally large amount of time with me trying to get to this location that is actually inaccessible by normal means in the world of Warcraft vanilla. Are you trying to say that if we were to hang out together, you'd have me trying to squeeze into places that might be hard to get into? Why, of course, Josh. (laughs) Very good. Now, North America, Batlord, how about you? What are you going to do to spice uh, spice things up in this questing relationship? Well, since I know that we are both rolling uh, undead priests, I would sacrifice and roll holy and I'd let you live your dreams as the shadowiest shadow priest that ever lived. No heel shall ever touch your mana pool, and you will be the king of our damage meters. That sounds very convenient. I appreciate that acquiescence to my playstyle. Very good, Batlord. All right, Auntie, what have you got? Spice me up. Well, I'd bring a staff of conjuring, because I always like to wine and dine my dates. A (laughs) staff... Very good. A staff of conjuring. Now, I'm going to have to pick you up on this. You mean a staff of conjuring? Potato, potato. Oh, you're the worst. Very good. Very good. Okay. Now, North, I'll let you end this one. What have you got for me to spice things up? Well, you know, things can get a little sweaty. If you're out there grinding in the world, you know, two men just out there together, alone, hours on end so you know we could you know get down to our skivvies take a nice dip underneath the thandal stand and uh what's more spicy than prying a love letter from the cold dead submerged hands of sully blue i like it i like it something to think about very good now that's you guys are making this a tough decision there's some very quality answers coming through now, I'll just shout out Tsunami in Twitch chat who mentioned her answer to question number one in terms of uh, where she would take me on our first adventure would be to the Lion's Pride Inn to show me all kinds of adventures. And I imagine on a certain server that would be very spicy. Now, guys, let's turn back to you. Question number three. Anti, some say chivalry is dead in World of Warcraft. How would you go about proving that wrong with me? Oh, well, I'm thinking of playing a paladin, so I'd bubble you and I'll take the repair. Ah, very good. You can bubble me any day. North, how about you? Well, unlike 99.9% of raids where I scream at people that they don't deserve water and that my time is better spent uh, you know, doing damage and that their puny mana pools can uh, 
suck uh, less savory parts of my body, <laughs> I'd make you all the water that you wanted just uh, for you. That's very polite of you. A absolute uh, water dispenser on demand sounds fantastic, particularly considering I'll be rolling a caster. Now, Loth, what have you got for me? What chivalrous um, act? Obviously, I would take you to Angora Crater, and I would get you the most romantic of mounts, a devil saw. And oh. while you rode that devil saw, I would shine your armor as it devours the alliance for you. Very good. Would you help me skin that devil saw when I was done with it and decided to kill it? You would kill my devil saw? <laughs> you monster! Hey, man, it's worth a lot of money. <laughs> now, Bat Lord, let's end this one off. How? What chivalrous act would you show? Well, I would roll any profession that would complement your favorite play style. You want to be an engineer? I'll mine for you all night long, baby. Wanting to make potions? I'll gingerly pick each and every flower in your bag, and you get all of my storage space. Wow, Batlord, you are really going above and beyond to make my life easier in World of Warcraft Classic. I am picking up what you're putting down. All right, question number four, guys. North. Which World of Warcraft item best describes what it's like to get hot and heavy adventuring with you in Azeroth? Well, obviously, Black Mage with leggings. And if anyone has seen the uh, <clears throat> boy spanks uh, present on my streams from time to time, uh, you know why. <laughs> Very good. Now, Loth, which item for you? Uh, well, it was quite obvious, uh, Josh. Obviously... There's already an item that describes exactly what we'd be like together, and it is called the Steamy Romance Novel. <laughs> so these nom novels are basically just a summary of our stories together, and I've actually uh, prepared a passage to read out to you in the audience. I love it. So, despite the statement, her words seemed to do the trick. Marcus smirked roughishly as he adjusted his, adjusted his leg plate. Well, aren't you the only gifted one? Silence penetrated the room with palpable force as the conversation shifted to the language shared by all races of Azeroth. Minutes became hours until their passionate dialogue was interrupted by lightning streaking from the cloudless sky, <laughs> thunderously slamming into the lake's surface and bathing them in the steam. Is something wrong? Marcus asked. No, Marcus, you're just off to a great start. And the remaining pages have been thoroughly destroyed by the elements yeah i was gonna say thoroughly destroyed or stuck together that was hot all right jesus now bat lord what have you got for me oh i would have to say uh anathema for sure because when you need the heels i'll always have your back but when it's time to melt faces we'll get dark together very nice and to round this one off anti I'd just reprogram the broken eye win button because we all know where this decision will end. <laughs> now, those are some fantastic answers. I'm a bit surprised that no one went with manual crowd pummeler, which would have been my choice, but very, That's very you good. You put that in suggestion. I, I did use that as a suggestion, but I, I, that doesn't preclude people from using it. I thought that that was a, a good one as well. But you guys came up with some fucking great ones. Now, shout out to Voxy53 in Twitch chat, who came up with a fantastic answer for the uh, chivalrous act, because he says that he'd give me every chest without rolling for it because I'm a perfect 100. <laughs> I think that's a good one. I like that. Now, guys, let's move on. To the Australians, Loth, 
I've never been to molten core, but I heard it can get a little hot. Would that be the case with you? And if so, why? The reason why is quite obvious, Josh, and I really shouldn't say that for the stream. But basically, the heat created between us would make molten core seem a uh, molten core seem like winter spring. <laughs> Very good. All right, Bat Lord, how about you? Oh, absolutely. Molten core is where you get some really powerful tier gear early on. And so when we're rolling through MC together, I'll, I'll loan you all the DKP you need to get all those fresh pieces of gear. I like it. I like it. Now, Anti, how would the molten core get even hotter with you and I? Oh, I'd ensure we'd bring a raid full of frost mages just to make it extra steamy. <laughs> Very good. And sorry, North, did we get you yet? Not quite, because I'd right, conjure some water as the actual resident mage, and uh, we would steam up the room right behind uh, Golemag the Incinerator, because uh, everyone knows that the best spot to view Ragnaros from is uh, right behind Lord Golemag. What generally viewing Ragnaros from behind is the way to do it, is it? The only way. The yeah. only way. Very good. Things are getting steamy in here. All right, guys, let's... Let's cool it down a little bit. Let's let's uh let's wipe the sweat from our brow and and ask this one. Locke, many residents of Azeroth like to charge into battle with a little something to say. What would our battle cry be? Uh, obviously, our battle cry would be for Oceania. <laughs> for Oceania. Because that's that is exactly where you'll be rolling after this conversation. <laughs> Very good, North. What have you got for our battle cry? It's the NA motto, really. We would chant for fun because that's really the mantra of NA gaming. Unlike the offspring of Europe that you would have in these oceanic servers full of toxicity and tryhard min-maxing, we would stroll through the land together. I like that. I like that. That's very sweet. Showing your tender side there, North, a side of you I've never seen before. I like that. Now, the Australians, you've just heard that. So. Auntie, what would our battle cry be? I don't know what I usually shout in the heat of the moment, but at least on an oceanic server, you'd be shouting with everyone and not 250 milliseconds. <laughs> oh, that's, that hurts. The truth hurts with that one. That Lord, what would our battle cry be? Well, as two undead shadow priests, I think we would shout, no heals, no feels, our shadow word pain is fucking for reals. I like it. I, a bit of rhyme always helps. Excellent. All right, guys, we got our last two questions. So here we go with the penultimate one. North, someone says, anal thunder fury, blessed blade of the windseeker. How do you reply to woo me? I'd close my eyes slightly, turn to you, and in a slight whisper, ask for consent. <laughs> As it should be done. Locke, what have you got? Josh, I'd walk up to you, look you lovingly in the eye. I'd lean toward you and softly whisper in your ear, anal eviscerate. <laughs> anal eviscerate. Very good. Okay. But Lord, how about you? What would you say to woo me? I think I'd say, uh, oh, shit. I didn't realize we were questioning the Barons. <laughs> That's going to be a tough one to follow, Auntie. Now, finally, someone says anal thunder fury, blessed blade of the windseeker. How do you reply to Woomy? 
Your mum likes my blessed Blano the Windseeker. <laughs> As we usually see in chat, very good. Boys, this has been a showdown. Now, I think someone's in the lead, and I'm not going to hint who, but you can probably guess. Last question to try and get me to play on your server. Let's start with you, Locked. It's been a long and hard day grinding mobs, and I'm losing interest. What do you do to get me back in the mood? Um, I would take you to the classic version of Moonguard, Josh. And as you know, what happens on Moonguard stays on Moonguard. <laughs> Until I tell people about it on the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Now, <laughs> Batlord, what have you got? What would you do to get me back in the mood after that long, hard day grinding? Josh, I would make the ultimate sacrifice and spec deep into discipline just to get you that buff so we can keep going and you'll never have to drink. Very ultimate good. sacrifice. Very good. I think Christian Gray specs deep into discipline as well, but don't quote me on that one. <laughs> now, Auntie, what have you got for me? Woo, naked party at Gold Show Inn. Uh, sorry, I got caught up in Locke's answer. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. You can piggyback off of that one. And we've got the final one coming in. North, you're going to round out this call. How are you going to get me? It's been a long, hard day grinding mobs, and I'm starting to kind of lose interest. What do you do to get me back in the mood? Well, you know, I'm something of a hardcore raider, so I make sure to have my consumes beforehand. So, of course, I'd break out the fish oil that I'd been saving from Westfall Burlocks to uh, <clears throat> get a little wet and wild. Oh, <laughs> Boys, you have made this a tough one. Now, look, this is the point of the show where it turns back to The Bachelor or Bachelorette to make their decision from these amazing answers that we've just heard. And if you picture somewhat of, you know, a vision of me standing there with my one rose left to give, if you've seen The Bachelor before, even though we're mixing up the the, the dating games here, I've got North America on my left, I've got Australia on my right, I've got one rose between the two, and... I will be happy to announce that I choose North America. No! Yeah, baby! Oh, get <laughs> Guys, it's, look, based on your answers, North, Batlord, you killed it. You sucked me over there. As some might call it the dark side, I'm going to call it home from now on. I'm sorry, Australia. Please love me. Lock the ante. You guys have been great, but they just, they, they did enough Traitor. to tip me. I know, I know. I'm so sorry. Now, you this, made the right decision. This Welcome is going to be a not dead servers that will last longer than two months after launch. Well, this is going to be a, a tough one to a bit of pill. Be the most popular ones as <laughs> is tradition. <laughs> it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow for some Australians. I do apologize to my fellow countrymen. I'm not trying to sell you out. I am not any less patriotic, but the, the long and short of it is I've made a shitload of friends over on the North American servers. There's some people that I really, really want to play with. Not to suggest that I don't want to play with guys like you, Locked, Anti, you guys are amazing. And I may well have an alt on an oceanic server, but I think my heart lies with North America. It's the right decision. It might be problematic when it comes to rating, but I think it's going to give me the best social experience. And as we say, that's what World of Warcraft is all about. So congratulations, North America. I will be playing with you when World of Warcraft Classic drops, and I couldn't be more excited. Guys, thanks so much for doing this. I hope you had a bit of fun with this. North, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you again. Always, always happy to be on. And Batlord, it was your first time. I hope we were gentle. 
Oh no, I've been I've been looking forward to this for so long. I'm so I just got off work. Like I literally got the message. So stoked I could be here. It was great to have you. Now, to my Australian compatriots, I know you must be absolutely gutted, as we say in this country. Lockth, I'm sorry, mate. Uh, I'm I'm so disappointed. I thought you were cool, man. I thought you were cool. I I used my mom tells me I'm cool, so that that's all I'll have to go with in the meantime. But also, Auntie, mate, I'm I'm sorry. I'll make it up to you somehow. Edit your podcast well, because if I hear one mention of lag at any point, I will ridicule <laughs> you until the day that I die. More than fair, I am banned from bitching about lag when the game comes out. Absolutely. I can't wait for a rogue to kill you from 15 yards away. (laughs) It's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. All right, guys. Look, thanks so much for that, and I'll speak to you all later. Thanks, Josh. Have a great one, dude. Thanks again. Thank you. I really hope you all enjoyed that call. I had a lot of fun recording it, and the guys were such good sports about it all. Please do remember that people like North, you can find them over at Twitch. They're streaming as well. I'll put the links in the show notes. But be sure to check the show notes every episode to see if you can find the people who appeared on the episode elsewhere and support them and get more of them. So please check that out, guys. But for now, let's get to the next call. All right, it's time for another Countdown to Classic call, and I'm joined by three special guests today that I've been really excited to talk to. Um, we have members of the Guild Onslaught. Um, so whether or not you've heard of Onslaught, you're about to find out a whole lot about them. And there's a, a couple of points of interest about this Guild that really sort of, um, you know, piqued my interest in what their hopes and dreams are for Classic. I was uh, brought uh, to Basically, I was pointed out to Onslaught um, by Ale, obviously a regular contributor of the show. He said, hey, have you heard of this guild? Might be some people that you might want to talk to. And I looked into it, and absolutely, I'm, I'm dying to know a bit more about these guys. So I want to welcome, firstly, um, the guild leader of Onslaught, Faye. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And you've brought with you a couple of mates, uh, maybe some senior members of the guild. We've got Clevis. How you going, man? No, great. Yeah, thanks for having us on. My pleasure. And finally, smooth. How are you, mate? Doing well. Excellent. Now, look, um, Faye, I'm going to throw to you to start this call off as the guild leader. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who Onslaught are? I'll delve into the history of our guild a little bit, and then I'll pass it over to Smooth because I think it'll transition. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I played classic world of warcraft when it came out in 2004 i was uh beyond legal drinking age to give you i was born in the early 80s uh a lot of the leadership was born in the early 80s my, the where we my man from. excellent <laughs> right and so um my brother is uh, a little famous in the blizzard community uh his name's alc for D- uh being the world first diablo 3 paragon 100 okay he beat a yeah he beat a team of two europeans and two chinese that were all trying to do it uh, before him, he did it by himself, and it was smooth. Smooth uh, convinced Al Kaiser to stream, and that set off his streaming career. And uh, it was his Twitch chat that got us to play on Kronos. Uh, backing up a little bit, uh, my brother was the guild master. Al Kaiser was the guild master of Onslaught until about 2010 ish. And within Onslaught, we played on Skull Crusher, and Gummy was one of the uh, within Onslaught. Um, now smooth, smooth McGroove, um, 
if, if your listeners don't know, he's famous on YouTube. He does acapella video game covers. Uh, he's got hundreds of millions of views. You should, you should check him out. We all live in this. We all live in the same uh, city. And Alcazar went to high school with Smooth. And Smooth was always trying to get us to play Scriptcraft. I quit World of Warcraft in 2007, uh, early in TPC. And I hadn't played World of Warcraft in, what, seven, eight, nine years, whenever. When Kronos came out, it was Smooth. <laughs> we went out to breakfast and he was like, look, uh, you know, Nostarius had just come out and been a month old. He's like, there's a better more well-scripted server called Kronos coming out. If you guys want to play that, now's the chance. And then between everyone in Alkaiser's chat and Smooth, it just happened. And, you know, even though I hadn't played World of Warcraft in eight or nine years, uh, we started the guild back up and uh, it's been history ever since. Excellent. Now, um, I sorry, people watching on stream will have just seen me started smiling and sort of almost halting back a bit of laughter there just because when you mentioned who smooth was i had no idea coming into this call and you just said yeah he's got that youtube channel he's quite popular over there at youtube and smooth i'll just turn over to you now because i just want to let you know again i had no idea that was you and um i i have listened to your mega man acapella video so many times it's out of control so i just want to say a big thank you for putting out that that out there and um it's so wild to have you in on this call but just to uh piggyback off of what Faye was saying one of the things well actually let me just ask i, I don't want to sort of you know um miss that tangent um how do you balance the uh sort of your world of warcraft game time with the management of the youtube channel it's it's a little difficult, but the cool thing about b- doing YouTube is that y- you kind of make your own schedule. So um, that's the easy part, but that's also the hard part because I like to kind of go hard at whatever I do, whether it's music or games. That's the short and simple answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Cleavis, let's turn to you, man, because um, the one point that Ale highlighted to me that really grabbed my interest in this interview with you guys is that he said, hey, Josh, try and get a hold of these Onslaught guys. Um, You know, they've got this website and as per their website, they say the following, Onslaught transcends platitudes of hardcore and elite and is a tier above that. And that's really what got my sort of uh, juices flowing, going like, oh, fuck yeah, this sounds awesome. These guys are uh, obviously really, really trying to be on the cutting edge of, of content and, and pushing this uh, rating content and going for world first and whatnot. But tell me about the attitude that it takes to be a member of Onslaught. Jeez, did we really write that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, Onslaught... See, Onslaught for me was has always has always kind of been a, a, a private server thing. Like they, these other two other guys that I'm here with, they they go back to 2004 with this guild. They caught my attention as these players who were obsessed with improving, and and that really is at the heart of it. Is this sort of iteration approach to to WoW? Where right? you look at a problem, uh, whatever that problem is, in this case, obviously it's World of Warcraft, but uh, but you, you decide how are we going to how are we going to approach that, and you know you, you test your strategies and did that work? Did that not work? You analyze it. You come at it the next week. You improve it, and and just constantly doing that is, I mean, I'm, you know, not not to insult anyone else, but it's something that Onslaught does so well. It's what brought me to the guild. It's what's kept me in the guild, and uh, 
and it it's just it's been such a uh, it, it's been so successful like we're talking about uh you know a guild that wasn't really focused on on being the best now this is going back to what 2014 Shay, is that right 2015? yeah 2014 just a backup clue i don't mean to hijack you Cletus, but just to give a little bit of context here uh when we hit the the uh, private server scene in 2014 smooth had been on script craft for three four years before that and he had some connections he ran guilds on valkyrie and, and other. Um, the meta had completely changed I came from a completely orthodox 2005-2006 mindset. I play Shaman. Uh, I have, and this is about to sound really no life, but I have over seven days played as Shaman and Shaman only. I'm able to play the game at work. So I've just been, I've been hammered. And um, my brother and I, we grew up, uh, we grew up in a household where like we, we got magic. To, we played Magic: The Gathering in ninety three, ninety four when it came out. My brother was like only in the second grade. I taught him how to play it, and we played text punching games on like Telnet in ninety four, ninety five. The precursors to MMOs. So we had been theory crafting and doing that kind of stuff for a very, very, very long time. And I was full with the iterations in twenty fourteen of what had come from the previous servers: X Valkyrie, uh, War Song, Alakir, Nos all scriptcraft, all the previous servers, but it wasn't enough. And we would raid and I would go through the combat logs and with new technologies like Twitch and, and better recording and everything, we would just sit there for five, six hours and just try to make the raid more aggressive and faster and better than the previous. Because we, like, the progression thing never really struck me. I think we had server BWL 9th, uh, server Cthulhu 5th or 6th. It just wasn't a focus in the guild. But what was a focus was doing more and more and more damage uh, on a daily basis. And uh, Clevis was in a different guild. He, uh, the Kronos 1 population, the Horde North American population, could facilitate about two guilds. And that second Horde guild always kind of just was a rotation. And then Clevis's guild paradigm uh, fell apart. We... I was very happy to just absorb everyone in there and bring them into the into our framework and say, look, here's what we're looking for, man. We're just looking to improve on a better level on a weekly basis. If you can bring that, then we're good to go. Okay. Smooth, I'll cut to you and ask, what would be your interpretation of what makes the members of Onslaught a cut above the rest? Why do you think that um, this particular guild has been such a great home for you and you found like-minded individuals who, you know, even if it is being tongue-in-cheek, when you say things like, there's elite and then there's us. Tell me why you feel that way. Uh, the, the major difference is uh, is really the leadership. Uh, I mean, Faye is very, very intense with the way that he uh, he goes about the structure of the guild uh, and, and what the guild wants to do, you know, and, but in, in a way that is very conducive to downing content, improving damage numbers, improving healing numbers, improving tanking aggro, all this stuff. That's, I mean, that's the short version of it. Um, the, on a more broad scale, it's, it's kind of the guild philosophy that everyone that joins Onslaught knows kind of the way that the, basically the vibe of the guild, which is that everyone is of a like mind. Everyone has, uh, you know, the same goals. If you don't have the same goals, you know, then it's open for discussion. But it's just, um, 
it's a very, very solid framework, very different from any other guild I've been in, in World of Warcraft, even some other server first guilds on live. Mm. Right. And the whole purpose of, of World of Warcraft, it's a game. It's for your enjoyment. Anyone can play. There's no wrong way to play a World of Warcraft, whether you're perpetually leveling to level 30 and just collecting herbs or you're trying to do high-end PvP or high-end rating. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters really is that everyone you play with share the same goal. Like if we define enjoy the game, these parameters and your alignment with that, then then that's perfect. We want you. Hmm. Now, Faye, I'll, I'll stick with you and just sort of say one thing you mentioned earlier really uh, sort of hit home with me because I think it's a great concept to drive home. And, you know, some people will, will, will maybe address later on sort of what, what people's opinions of Onslaught may be. But you mentioned that the guild really is driven home or perhaps founded on that pursuit of improvement. And I think that's a really, really great principle to to put forward perhaps as the number one factor that the guild takes into account in terms of always looking to get better and better and find new and wonderful ways in which to not only become better players, but maybe approach the content. So one thing we haven't really, you very, very lightly addressed, but in, in keeping that principle in mind, um, what are some of the milestones that the guild has hit at this point that you're quite proud of as a guild leader? Some of the milestones? Well, I really like challenging the orthodoxy. A lot of people just repeat the same strategies or methods of playing or the same rotations, et cetera, et cetera. And to give an idea, in 2014, the orthodoxy with tank was very much a protection specs, shield slam, Alcor Sunraiser, these very tried and true methods. And they're good traditions to have. And they, they, they are. Well, we started hitting a wall, especially as Horde. And it became very apparent that faster and to do more damage was going to increase more increases into TPS. And I've always been very adamant against, like, if you're a tank and onslaught, like, your job is not to protect. Get protection, get defense, get all that stuff out of your mind. I play healer, and I, I play a very uh, aggressive and experienced healer. And I would tell the tanks, do not worry about your health. Your job is not to stay alive. My job is to make sure you stay alive. And I'm going to work with the healing team to make sure that you have maximal uptime in, your, in you doing damage, and you don't have to uh, defense at all. So in 2014, moving into 2015, we just started stripping all the defense off it was like, you're not getting enough rage. You're not getting a rough age. Get rid of the 440 defense. Let's, let's drop it down. 375, 330. Let's start, like, I don't care. Let's, let's wear leather, put Titanics, put Lionhearts on. And we just kept pushing TPS, TPS. And I'm, I'm 100% confident we were the first guild to start the dual tanking thing. We, we started that in BWL in the early days, tanking Vales, Trials, and, and some of the other ones. We did it in, a, in, a, in a, an environment where the other, the guilds on NOST, uh, we had people that were playing in, in both Dreamstay and Nope. So we, and they were streaming and we were streaming and all these other guilds were streaming. We kind of knew exactly what everyone were, were doing. But it's, yeah, it's I, fascinating that five years later, the, the dual world tanking has become such a, almost an orthodox. Yeah. I did just to build on that. I mean, I hear, and <laughs> not to, not to dump on anyone, but I hear, you know, people talking about, uh, you know, the new meta and, and, you know, we've been doing this for six months. We've been doing this for nine months. And it's like, well, that that's great. We've been doing this for four years. Now, 
one of the things that's being brought up, and again, um, I'm throwing him a lot of love because I'm I'm so glad that he directed me towards you guys. Is you know, listener Ale is pointing out that one of the things that you guys are known for, as you know, Faye has just mentioned, is perhaps that concept of innovation, um, and you know, perhaps trying to tinker with the way in which we think about certain encounters. Um, Clevis, I'll throw to you for this one, um, and just sort of ask you: Are there any other ways that you feel? Um, Onslaught has helped change the minds of the player base about certain pieces of content. And also, why do you feel it's important for the World of Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft Classic player base to continually question or challenge the way in which they view content? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one, one of the things that I, that I used to love or that I, I did love, I do love about Onslaught is that we, we kind of had a running joke that we were the most casual guild on the server because our, our raids would go so quickly, right? So we would have to be raiding a total of like an hour and a half to get four raids done kind of thing. And okay, that math doesn't quite work out, but <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. In terms of the actual time spent inside the instance, it, it was actually quite low. And and that at the time, going back to 2014 here at least, w- was not was not a common orthodoxy to, to over-prepare essentially and to iterate on every single encounter to get down to that, to that level. It was not very common. And so we had this sort of mindset that at this point is sort of permeated through to, to most of these other guilds. And don't get me wrong, seeing what other guilds are doing with these things is, is great. It's very, uh, it's, it's very enjoyable for, for me to see kind of what other, what other tanks and other guilds are able to do with some of these things. So that's awesome. Matt is, mm. but at, uh, at the time it just wasn't a thing. Okay. Smooth. I'll turn to you, mate, and ask. Obviously, I'm presuming, even though it hasn't been necessarily explicitly stated during this call, that you guys are very much so pushing for a bunch of world firsts once Classic comes out. Um, tell me why you think uh, Onslaught has a great shot at realistically achieving a number of these world firsts. And I know we're not going to go too much into tactics. I know that every guild likes to keep a few aces up their sleeve, so don't feel like I'm pressing you for you know exact we'll get to that later in the call perhaps talking some specific pieces of content or what have you without you guys sort of necessarily revealing the magician's trick but tell me why just generally you think you guys have a serious best shot and why you should be taken seriously by the contenders as someone who's going to get that world first uh, I would say it's innovation first and preparation second and both of those just being I mean, the ultimate goal um, of what's what's been discussed within Guild, what's been discussed ever since Classic WoW was announced. Um, that was also the name of the game back on Kronos. Uh, and I, I think that's just, that's it. I mean, okay. you put those two together and uh, and you make those two work together. It's, you know, you, you have to have both. Mm-hmm. You can't just have one or the other and expect, you know, to have like world first anything. I mean, you may get lucky, but but yeah. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, Faye could probably elaborate more on that since he's been yeah. the master planner. Well, uh, not to interject too much, but uh, the world first rag kind of thing is is that's kind of funny to me. That's actually not what we're going for. Okay, we are going for a week one rag kill, which is a hundred percent. There's no question about if we can do it or not. Now there might be a guild that can do it faster than us, and that that's fine. But the reason we want to do a rag week one kill is just to have more loot. Now. I mean, when you talk about that week one rag kill, you say, obviously, it's a foregone conclusion as far as you guys are concerned. Is that because, you know, people, and again, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, and and I'm not necessarily questioning personally 
whether or not that can happen or not. I don't have the experience to seriously challenge that kind of statement, but I think some people might hear that and the generic response you'd think would be, oh, those private server players, they think it's going to be such a cakewalk, blah, blah, blah. But look, whether it is or it isn't, tell me what you would say to people who might scoff at week one rag. Come on, you seriously think that's going to happen? But you guys say, no, it's absolutely going to happen. <laughs> well, I, I, to be honest, I don't, uh, I'm not really uh, religious in trying to convert people to how they, they're, they're probably right. That The reality is they're more than likely right. Uh, a week one rag kill, it's just about numbers. Can you get enough people to 40 or 60 that fast? Can you get 40 people to level 60 that fast? And mm. the reality is, is you got to have a lot of people. And the thing about Onslaught is I've always been very open. People would always come to me like, is it okay if I have an all in this guild or an all in that guild? And I was like, I'm not your boss, man. I'm just, I'm the top guild servant. Like I'm here to create a, a road. And if you guys want to travel on that road, that's great. If you want to do other things, that's fine. And so we networked, just naturally network. We had people playing Alliance. We had people in other horde guilds. We had, uh, we had people on other p- private servers. And after we quit in late 2017, uh, a lot of our guys spread to the four winds and raided in TVC's private servers, RAF private servers, and networked to the point where uh, in mid-2018, I wasn't going to play Classic at all, to be honest. And uh, my brother was like, well, I'm going to play it. And then a lot of other people were like, oh, I'm playing it too. I'm playing it too. And I started shopping around for who's who's putting together a really aggressive like horde guild, like in a horde guild. And there was no. And so we had networked with uh, people that were uh, from Smooth Valkyrie Guild. Uh, the people from Grizzly uh, were rolling with people from Progress that have done you know, server first rag, uh, nine day progress kill, uh, snide, the guy who maintained Grizzlies rolling with us. He did it in 10 days and we've discussed and talked to their, ex- with their experience and, and we kind of know what, what we're doing. And, uh, I spent the majority of 2018 working 12 to 16 hours a day, uh, getting, uh, leveling down to obscene levels. And I've been sharing that with the guild and we've been, we've been practicing and running drills. We've been doing this for months and months and months and months to the point where, uh, I'm 100% confident we're going to have uh, enough 60s in in, in record time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Smooth, let me ask you, because obviously we, we just heard about the practice and the amount of time that's being asked of members of Onslaught in order to get ready for this uh, these challenges that are coming your way in Classic. Talk to us about basically what Faye might ask of you guys time-wise, commitment-wise, and attitude-wise. Like, you know, I, I sort of sit here and picture, you know, these – we're talking about, you know, the, the one dozen, the two dozen top, top guilds in the world that, you know, have pushed private server content for years and really know this, um, you know, uh, they, they, they know the encounters back to front as far as private servers are concerned. Um, what does Faye sort of, whether explicitly or implicitly, say to you you need to do to be a member of Onslaught and tell us why it might be so hard to crack membership to this guild. That comes down to the dedication. So the two things I said earlier, like innovation and, um, and like preparation, but like everyone that joins Onslaught, you know, you have to be dedicated. You have to want to play. You have to want, you know, first of all, you got to love the game. You got to love classic. Wow. You got to love the class that you're playing. And, you know, are, are you dedicated enough mm-hmm. to get a 60, in within a week you know even even before a week so that uh so that a week one rag can happen 
Hmm. But is, is there any kind of like, you know, you got to play X amount of hours per week or you, you need to get, you know, at least rank 14 before we'll take you seriously or any kind of stuff like that? I mean, there's a basic framework for for release. Like, like again, we have been running a lot of drills, a lot of practice runs, uh, you know, on, on different characters to see how fast we can level 10 uh, or level 12, level 20. Even some people are going as far as 40 or 60. Hmm. And that's kind of the litmus test, I think. Hmm. The people who are doing that, the people who are getting their numbers, who are, you know, working to improve their play. Uh, and then, you know, networking with others about that, like that's kind of that, that's so far been the litmus test is like, you know, how do you really want to do this? <laughs> yeah, fair right. Enough. And uh, I'll, I'll pass this over to Clevis if you don't mind me building on what Smooth was saying there is I'm actually not a top down thinker at all. Mm. I'm not a top, I'm not a, an authoritarian kind of guy. I'm actually a very macro. I don't micromanage at all. I just let people do what they need to do. Right. So, you know, I've been in the uh, I've been working. IT corporate jobs for close to 15 years now. And the one thing about management is what you want to do as a manager or an administrator is find the people who are super productive and just let them be productive. Because usually there's bureaucracies or corporate policies or those things that are preventing them from being hyper productive. And really your, your job as a guild master or rate leader or an administrator in a guild is whatever's holding your players back you need to just get rid of those barriers and just let them flow. If, if something's slowing down DPS, if something's slowing down uh, performance, if you got things in the way, you got to get rid of, rid of all that stuff. Like I, we don't even do loot council. We don't do DKP economies. I created a new loot system just for speed and efficiency. Mm. Well, I've been dying to ask you about that. So if you're okay with talking about it, I don't know if it's sort of a company secret or anything, but w- w- what loot system do you use? Tell us about the tweaks that you've made. I'll pass it over to Clevis because I invented the the system and Clevis picked up on it really. Oh, fantastic. Clevis, go for it. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, no, if I can, let me just build a little bit before I think this kind of flows in here. I just want to attest to what Faye was saying there is that, uh, and again, not to kind of dump on other traditional or more traditional guilds, but I think WoW, Vanilla WoW in particular, uh, really sort of breeds a sort of more authoritarian type uh, type group more militaristic might be the way i'd put it mm. where you have you know your leaders and your you know your, your commanders and you got your soldiers and and that's that's not really how onslaught has done things i don't necessarily know that that is a cause of, of any of our success but it's definitely just been the way that we've always done things and and really we've tried to kind of get out of the way of the, of the best players um we in this channel are not in this call are not the best players in our guild and we recognize that and we are here to facilitate the best players to play to their best. Now, to build into the loot system is we sort of have a couple of goals in Onslaught. And as Faye mentioned, uh, one of those is is speed. We, we like to do speed runs. We uh, iterate on our kills to make sure that they get faster and faster so the, ri- the runs get faster and faster every week. And it's important that if that's your mindset that you have a loot system that facilitates that. So... That was sort of one of the criteria. You need to make sure that we can loot everything really quickly and get all that over and done with. And the second piece of it was that we don't want an authoritarian type of system. So we don't want to run a loot council. Loot councils are all, um, there's always some amount of corruption or some amount of, of just injecting yourself into the system. And, and you're always going to make a mistake, right? And there's always going to be drama. And, and we just didn't have time for that, to be quite frankly. We, to be quite frank, we just wanted to get back to the business of rating and not worry about that stuff. So 
Loop Council off the table causes too much drama. DKP off the table takes too long. Had to come up with something else. We have a what we call a loot list system. It's basically a wish list. You put out what loot you want, and you assign values to it. We adjust those values based on metrics that you're uh, applying yourself to the guild, and that kind of puts out a uh, a list, a priority list for who's essentially going to get what item. You know who's going to get what item in advance. We can handle the loot immediately as soon as the boss dies. And interestingly enough, with the announcement <laughs> that we just got from WoW Classic very recently from Kyvax on the forums, uh, we're going to have loot trading in uh, raids. Mm-hmm. I know the announcement was that we're not going to get it in five mans, but this I, I'm looking forward to this a lot. We actually haven't had too much time to even talk about this because it's been so recent. But loot trading in raids is, is great for this type of system because you can just loot everything immediately. And so long as your raid doesn't take two hours, you can handle the loot at the end. Or, you know, partway through if you're going to take over two hours, that sort of thing. So I think this facilitates uh, a great quality of life change for, for us at least. Mm, it's a really good point and something I hadn't considered, obviously, for your more skilled guilds who, as you say, might be rolling through Molten Core in God, I don't know, what is it? You guys do it in 25, 30 minutes, and then you can just sit down when all the dust is settled and distribute things afterwards. Right. Well, on Kronos, one of the things about Kronos that I love about Kronos, and to be honest, I'm not really a Kronos loyalist, but I will suck their dick over their metric systems or the NOS core uh, servers. Mm. You have to use Realm players to have your tracking, your your DPS and your kill times, et cetera. You're clear. Mm. Kronos did that on the server side which was really nice. And so just trying to get, you know, a molten core down from 20 minutes down to 19, not 18 and a half. Let's get it down to zone in till rags dead. Let's get it down to 17 minutes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it really was just about getting that loot. Like we, everyone needs to know where the loot's going. And so uh, just to back up a little bit, the, I started with, uh, I asked the questions like, what's the worst thing about World of Warcraft? It's dealing with people. It's the drama. It's the loot. It's handing out the loot. Everyone mm. quits. Like, you're going to lose. Most guilds lose. 90% of the people that they do lose, they lose because of some kind of loot drama, right? Mm. And so if I can eliminate, eliminate that, I can keep those resources in the guild. I can maintain the guild's equity by keeping those purples within the guild. The The whole purpose of the loot system, and I'm proud to say in the four and a half years we raided on K1, we lost exactly zero people's loot and we had exactly zero instances of loot drama because we had it on a spreadsheet and everyone before they even stepped in the raid they consented they saw where, where the loot standings were you know there's certain regulations and rules we have like hunters can't you know bid for or put drake vink high on their list etc it's a tank priority and then a rogue warrior and so and so just having that list already there and the master leader would just alt tab check who got the item and send it to that guy and it was, it was just, it was, it facilitated speed and reduced drama and increased like transparency. Hmm. It's a really interesting point. And honestly, something I sort of hadn't considered in that wording, but obviously it makes sense when you say the players are the best and the worst part of World of Warcraft. Everyone sort of reveres this community behind the game and how amazing it is to play with the friends that we make and what have you. But obviously, any of the problems that arise through the playing of the game are, what, 99% of the time, 
player generated. It's not necessarily our issues with uh, what's coming up in the environment. It's us. It's it's the human element of of having other people mess with your experience. So that's definitely an interesting way to put it. Um, Faye, I'm just sort of trying to do the maths here because it is something that intrigues me. This week one rag. Um, goal of yours because as i said that you know and i know it's going by what it was years ago but we've got that world record to 60 or four days 20 hours and whether or not that's going to be beaten or not in classic we will come to find but going by that record as a gauge you know four days 20 hours of slash time played you know generally uh depending on how much sleep you're getting per day is really going to push you right right up against that one week time limit so is it the fact that you're hoping you got you guys get 40 people that just sneak it in, in by the end of that week uh first week because i'm guessing it's going to be pretty fucking tight right my initial expectations were 25 dudes in green gear getting into Moncore and then struggling the whole way but amazingly through networking we've tripled maybe even quadrupled the size of the guild within the recent past few months and the amount of people that are going i'm going 20 i'm going 24 i'm not sleeping for 48 72 hours etc is is mind-blowing um as far as breaking the joanna record you know i don't want to reveal to the cards in our hands sure, or even sure telegraph the the deck we're playing but uh, I will say this is like I said, if we've, I've spent the past eight months, just 12 to 16 hours a day, you know, I, I, I go to work, I do my work orders, I, I do what I need to do. And then I'll spend 10 hours straight at work, just going through spreadsheets. And, right. and, you know, I've, I've leveled God knows 15, 20 shamans now to, to 60 on various private servers and on other, uh, tests. Uh, you know, private test things uh, that that we've set up. So, what really get, keeps me excited is is just innovating. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of Kronos was a not really a dramatic server, and it got a less, a lot less eyes than the Nastaria Elysium core, etc. You know, in the entire time K one existed, you know, Nastarius came and went, Elysium came and went. You know, Lights Hope came to prominence. K1 was just a kind of a rock solid thing. And I don't think the guilds on the Chronos server really got the recognition uh, that they deserve, uh, especially guilds like Saint uh, and Vanguard. The amount of innovation, like I know we push a lot of innovation, to be honest, though, there was a kind of an arms race. We, we were always watching what Saint was doing. We were always watching what Vanguard uh, was doing. And they deserve a lot more credit in the private community scene than they, than they deserve or that, than, than they got. Um, cause th- there's some insane, absolute insane strategies that have been executed by those. And so I don't know, I just, just pushing, just pushing speed runs and just coming up with new creative ways to, to get that faster molten core, to get that faster AQ, just all that kind of thing. Well, I'll open this one up to the floor, guys. So anyone jump in first be- first in best dressed. You talked about those speed runs. Are you able to hit me with any of the times that uh, you're particularly proud of that, you know, some of your, your best records for any of these raids? I think we I think we still have a 16-second fail streak. Is that, I think that one still stands on K1. Sorry, a 16-second what? Uh, Veil of Straz. Veil of Straz. 
Yeah, you know, I was very happy the first time we hit 30,000 rate DPS. It was obscene, obscene. And we were checking everyone on realm players. And you really can't compare to different pre-servers. Um, they all have different armor values. Uh, the the Cronus One has the armor values that are in the uh, the WoW Bestiary book. But the K3, uh, one of the guys on K1 in Vanguard reverse engineered the armor by studying Bloodthirst and Crusader Prox on old 2006 footage. And uh, K3 is operating with what we, what they believe is a Blizz-like armor value. Hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, we did um, some really f- – my favorite – probably my favorite was a, like a minute and a half Cthune Phase 1 and Phase 2 together. Uh, we were always just regularly pushing 30, 35-minute AQ-40. Now, I mean, some of these – that that again sorry you guys might not know this but i'm not a raider uh that's something i'm trying to fix in classic i didn't raid at all so i'm the biggest noob of it all when it comes to this stuff but obviously through doing the show i've come to learn a fair bit about raids and i read a lot and i watch a lot blah 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 but when you say something like you know please do explain it to me like i was born yesterday um when you say something like a 16 second velistraz kill i'm sort of sitting here going like holy shit like i don't think i've heard of that before like how is that possible and if, if, if you if you can't talk about your tactics or what have you, I understand. No, we we'll no, talk no. about the tactics. Like everyone knows it, and and people are doing it even better now. Uh, I, I guarantee you. Uh, I mean, we were getting a sixteen second fail at the end of it. Uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, the first time I was blown away, the first time we did thirty thousand rate DPS, we peaked at fifty thousand rate DPS, and uh, just this week, uh, a, a guild on Chronos Three Vanguard did fifty thousand rate DPS on the Nixia in BWL era guild. Uh, gear so there there definitely is there's definitely innovation still going on out there but uh veil was known as a guild killer in 2005 because veil every 40 or beginning at 45 seconds in uh he detonates your main tank and then he just starts detonating the, the rest of your tanks or the top person on aggro rather and so i remember in 2014 2015 I remember having a conversation with our main tank at the time going, I think we can get fast enough to where you don't die. If we can get sub 45 seconds veil, you won't die. Think about it. And it was like, dude, and we were checking. No one was doing that. We were looking at what's going on in Astarius and stuff. And we kept pushing it, kept pushing it, kept pushing it. And I started telling uh, shamans, like, start collecting DPS gear. Let's start moving people to Feral. Let's let's get more alts up. We need more warriors. We need more rogues. Like, let's 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 do it. And we just kept trying to like, if we get forty five seconds, all right. Now we're at forty, and it just kept you know, it just kept spiraling out of control. We kept getting more gear and more alts, and people kept getting better at the game. And next thing you know, people are right. You know, kills are regular doing thirty second fails, and twenty five seconds was huge. And I remember twenty seconds. It just just shaving a second off. You know, I was like. Okay, 17 is the record. Let's go for 16. What do we got to do? And I would just go through the combat log and just just completely just chew through it and tear it down and, and just like telling people, look, you did six bloodthirsts. This other guy did five. Like, hmm. All right. Well, I've just got one last question for you guys. And, and Faye, obviously, you might have the best input on this one, but uh, you know, you other two guys, feel free to add on anything that Faye might miss. But uh, I'm sort of intrigued as to, you know, if you guys are sort of pushing content, trying to be one of the top guilds out there doing your thing. Do you have a different outlook at all? Or what's your personal take on your ultimate raid composition? Like, Faye, do you, do you have a particular class you kind of, um, uh, maybe hold a not a grudge against but you don't value as much as perhaps some other guilds or how do you like to do it it depends if you're looking at the micro versus the macro every 
class definitely has its place. Obviously, the orthodoxy in 2014 was very much a alliance was the better um, faction for PVE. And like I said, I have 700 slash days played as, as shaman at this point, in and out. And really, when you're talking about the differences between horde and alliance, it's really the differences between horde or between the shaman and the paladin. And granted, you know, there's a there's some differences with with weapon skill. So uh, alliance skills favor rank 14 more because they need more swords because of humans for their warriors and rogues, whereas orcs have the axe option. So in the early days, you can spread your equity a little better with the with the gear you're getting, and then. Two-hand weapons are, are viable on Horde, where they're less viable on Alliance. So this really ends up, um, I, I was always saying that Horde has the higher ceiling. On average, your Alliance guilds are going to way outperform Horde guilds. But if you can hit the ceiling on Horde or get closer to it above what the Alliance can do. And so I was always pushing Warriors and Rogues. And so it tends to end, end, end up looking in the very high tier rating as, as Warriors being King. Uh, which kind of hurts Warlock, Mage, and, and Hunter and some of the other classes. But it doesn't mean you, there's still no utility or, or viability in those classes. Um, try doing a Kelf Duzad with, with 30 Warriors. It's going to be impossible. You have to have... Hmm. Look, guys, I'll, I've already... I've, I've sort of kept you twice as long as I said I would. I, I tend to do that. I do apologize, but... Um, I'll wrap it up there, and, and I just want to say I, I wish you all the best of luck with with chasing these goals in Classic. And you know, by all means, if you guys happen to to hit your goal of your Week One rag, you know, I'd love to chat to you later down the track if you happen to get there. That'd be a great thing to sort of discuss about how it went down if you do hit it. Um, but let me thank you all so much for being on here again. Obviously, Clevis, thanks, mate. I really appreciate you going back and forth with me and, and helping to set this up. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And, uh, sorry, maybe just a quick shout out to Ale. Thanks, uh, thanks again for pointing, uh, getting us together here. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Ale. I'm, I'm glad he pointed me in your guys' direction. Faye, thanks so much, mate. You, you've been very, very um, concise in your points, and I think you've put forward some really good points. Uh, obviously, letting people know a bit more about onslaught and, and just uh, maybe more, you know, some general perspectives on WoW as well. So, thanks for that. Oh no, thank you. Onslaught-WoW.com. If people are looking for a horde in a guild. Uh, we have a lot of Europeans that are playing with us, too. We're going to be on the East Coast, uh, NA East Coast server. They're getting 80 to 120 MS on that server, which is great. I mean, yeah. we're used to playing on K1, where we're running 200 MS plus. And, uh, yeah, if, if people are homeless looking for a, you know, they, they want to be a part of that, they want to push a week one rag kill, be a part of that. Mm. I mean, we, we're, still, we're still shopping for people, so. No, definitely. And sorry, I was remiss to leave that out. Thank, thanks so much for reminding me. You guys plug away. If anyone is of the more hardcore persuasion, obviously it's very different from what the countdown to classic guild's going to be doing. Please give the, give these guys a yell if you're intrigued. If you feel like what they're saying is uh, right up your alley. Um, Cleaver, sorry, I should give you a chance, man. Anything you want to plug? Are you anything anywhere on YouTube or on Twitch or anything like that? Uh, no, no, we're we're good. We're gonna have a bunch of people streaming from Onslaught uh, right from the early days. So you can just uh, watch the watch the website there. We'll have plenty of links through. You can uh, follow Onslaught along as we uh, either succeed or fail spectacularly. Too easy, fail. Oh, I want to I want to plug something for Clevis. He is the guy <laughs> at 2017 and 2018 BlizzCon that asked the only re- relevant yeah. questions regarding Classic Wow. If you guys want to look up, which one was that? Which question did he ask? Uh, so 2017, I got to ask uh, Jay Allen Brack 
Oh, how did my question even go? He responded with the uh, UBRS was a, I, I got to ask him if he was going to fix bugs in classic WoW right, right. after the announcement. And he, he responded with the infamous uh, UBRS yeah, as yeah, a yeah. five-man instance. And then in 2018, I was, I was lucky enough to ask a question again. I was about four or five people back from Chris Metz and, and uh, I got to ask about uh, server caps and population concerns. And that was where Ian had talked about sharding and we got got the kind of sharding conversation started off so oh very yeah, good, I, very I, good. I, I like to go to i like to go to, to blizzcon and, and uh, do what i can for the classic community very good man and finally uh smooth obviously <laughs> i mean feel free to plug away man obviously you're, you're very popular on youtube but but tell us about what's in the works with you lately man i just want to further iterate if if uh if you're looking to be dedicated and you want to and you want to go hard and um be with a lot of other dudes who are going at it i mean check out onslaught Hmm. You know, like just uh, it's it's a cool community. There are a lot of uh, really cool people. I mean, there are a lot of dedicated, uh, intense people, but it's it's a nice mix. So yeah, yeah check out uh, check out onslaught dash dot com. No, no. What you should re- actually do is go to YouTube and type in Smooth McGroove and watch that, or check out Smooth's drumming streams. He'll drum to video game music, rock music, whatever. That's some killer stuff. Yeah, I can get behind that smoother. Again, as I said, it was, it was, it took me by surprise to, to have you in on this call. I had no idea. And, and I'll shout out your YouTube channel for you. I pr- appreciate sort of being a bit humble in that regard. But for God's sakes, people, if you haven't heard of Smooth McGrew's YouTube channel, go and check it out. Throw him a sub and watch his stuff. It's, it's absolutely impeccable. And, and I have a really good time over at his channel. So thanks again for being here, Smooth. And thanks, everyone. I'll, uh, I'll let you all go and I'll talk to you next time. Appreciate it, boss. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And that's the show for today, everyone. But please be sure to tune in next week as we have more calls and more countdown for you. But before we go, let's go through some thank yous and a big thank you as always to patrons. AeroPC, Anti, Binger, Brandon K, Cascade, Chunky Dunk, Connor C, Damien A, Dave K, David F, DJM, Eric L, Herbert, James S, Jamie S, Jeff J, John HC, Josh W, Minoru, Randall H, Rasmus S, Rarebit, Rick S, Ryan K, Schmigge, Sylvia K, Tim B, Tim S, Torbjorn C, Voikora, and Zudamos. And of course, the very dedicated patrons of Countdown to Classic. An extra special shout out, as always, and a thank you from the bottom of my heart to Alice R, Billy C, Eric S, Firespit and Kitten, Flozy B, Batlord, Carl W, Nick B, Palfurus, Tsunami, The Anton, Wilson Ma, and Velarco. Thank you so much for your phenomenal support of the show. Countdown to Classic would not be the same without your support. So that's it for today, everyone. We made it through 100. Thank you so much for your support again. Have a great rest of the week. I'll see you next week.